Mike Seibert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show. And here we go. Hey, this is Chris, one of the creators of Hitchback. You're listening to Mike After Dark on 89.9 KGRG. Today's rock. Hey, everybody, this is Kyle from Kirby Crackle, and you are listening to Shh, Don't Be Scared, Mike After Dark on 89.9 FM KGRG. Hey! 8.58. First time I've ever been early for work, except for all those daylight savings days, lousy farmers. Hey, this is Joe Chip, and you're listening to Mike and Mickey 89.9 KGRG. Did I, did I miss one there? I think. Mike and Mickey after dark. Oh, after dark. Okay. Mm. This is Joe Chip, and you're listening to Mike and Mickey after dark. On 89.9 KGRG. Hey everybody, this is Kyle Stevens, a.k.a. nerd rock artist Kirby Crackle, and you are listening to Mike and Mickey After Dark, only on 89.9 KGRG FM. I'm Jason from Comic Book Characters for Causes, and you're listening to Mike and Mickey After Dark. I would have waited an eternity for this. Ceremony. Broadcasting from Green River College on KGRG 89.9 FM. This is the Monday Project. Now, here's the host of the Monday Project, Mike on the Mic. This man is, he's going to be called Mr. Monday Night. I guarantee you, Mr. Monday Night. Hey. Mike, you're a complete psycho. Keep it up. It's him! He's here! And I was so excited. <laughs> Welcome back. For this anniversary episode of Mike Seibert Radio, I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you could write into the mailbag, MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. And the spelling on that is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, just the way it's pronounced. <laughs> uh, this is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. 
And as you've no doubt figured out by listening to that uh, supercut of some of the uh, some of those old show intros and well probably the show title as well, uh, going to be headed down memory lane this week, uh, celebrating three years of broadcasting. August tenth, twenty fifteen, uh, was the first time I took to the airwaves by myself and with my own show on KGRG, and uh, and that's the milestone I choose to use to celebrate. Celebrate the anniversary of the show. Now, uh, longtime listeners know, uh, uh, folks that have been with me since uh, the beginning or um, at various times uh, during the life of the show, I've done elaborate anniversary celebrations before, uh, you know, with uh, uh, guests and extended audio clips and just uh, uh, just had to be an elaborate production. Uh, but this time I'm going to do something, uh, something a little different, you know, maybe a little more stripped down and maybe a little more uh, personal uh, as, as well. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so I'm do I'm doing this show. Uh, this week for uh, a couple different reasons. Uh, mostly, I was uh, inspired by my recent interview that I did. Uh, I was a guest on the Podskewer uh, podcast. They're a podcast that basically talks about podcasts. It's uh, um, uh, had a great conversation with Don and Dean, uh, host of that show. It was a whole lot of fun, and they uh, they invited me on as a guest and asked me a whole bunch of questions. Questions, um, you know, about about the show and what I do, and really, we just kind of shot the breeze about a whole bunch of uh, stuff and things. But I I remember thinking when I hung up with them, and I I know every. Uh, podcaster or broadcaster for that matter goes through this as soon as you turn off the microphone you suddenly think of all of the things that you didn't say during your show and I was kind of hit with that feeling I was um um it, it was a great conversation and we got into um a lot of the history of Mike Seibert radio but I was uh um I I had done some thinking and some reflecting and things like that in anticipation of that interview and I was actually kind of prepared to go uh, super deep, super personal, and kind of tell uh, some of the stories from the distant past, uh, some of which I don't believe I've talked about in uh, previous iterations of the show, whether it be the uh, Mike Seibert Radio podcast uh, or previously um, on my shows on KGRG. So um, it, didn't, it didn't necessarily get to that, and I thought uh, with this anniversary uh, coming up and and really quite honestly it, it kind of snuck up on me I, uh, I I hadn't really given much consideration to what I was going to do because um, you know uh, the show's very different now so like when we did episode 100 it was it was great to get the gang back together, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, one last ride for the uh, Mike and Mickey after dark slash uh, Monday project uh, crossover crew and kind of, you know, just kind of have like the Mike Seibert cinematic universe all, all together. And and that was great. Um, and then more recently, you know, celebrating episode 150 with uh, the guys from the Autopod Decepticast. And and this time's a little different because it's 
It's Just Me. And I thought it would be a really good opportunity to just sit here and talk to you and uh, uh, tell my story, for for lack of a better term. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be super stripped down. What you're listening to now is what the show is going to be for the entirety of the runtime. Um, I've got a couple time codes in the show notes to, you know, kind of help you jump along if uh, if you'd like. Uh, but, yeah, not a um, it's not going to be an elaborate show, uh, not going to play a whole bunch of audio clips and just uh, um because I, I knew if I made it really elaborate, it would probably get away from me and I wouldn't do it. Like um, the stuff that I've done in the past, like for show number 100, um, it took me a while on and off to uh, curate all of those um, all of those old clips and. Um, I, I just, again, taking advantage of, uh, the true podcast medium and not having to worry about playing songs or anything else that has to do with radio. Um, again, I'm, I, I'm way over explaining, but yeah, no, I just, uh, just thought I would sit here and, and, uh, talk for a few and, and again, maybe, uh, share some of those, uh, stories that, that I, uh, might have, not previously. Uh, but first, I um, I kind of want to jump around a little bit. And, you know, we, we were we were just listening to uh, those uh, classic show intros uh, from uh, the KGRG era, you know, uh, uh, Mike After Dark, uh, Mike and Mickey After Dark, uh, The Monday Project and, you know, ending uh, with uh, the current Mike Seibert radio era, um, and yeah, I just I just wanted to talk for a sec, um, kind of about about the music because it was kind of interesting to listen how uh, the music would uh, kind of sort of evolve, but at the same time, not really. Um, I I think the one commonality with all of those show intros and really it's just kind of like the tags you heard like from uh Kyle Stevens from Kirby Crackle or Joe Chip or you know Jason from uh, Costume Characters for Causes um um all of those have music that trails afterward and when i first started doing my own show on KGRG i uh, it, it was just a it was just a DJ shift where um, I'm just introing songs, you know, maybe giving away some concert tickets and just kind of trying to, uh, you know, do. Uh, baby DJ content, you know, uh, eventually I would get a little more comfortable and talk about classes or talk about my feelings about taking said classes and, you know, just really kind of trying to toe the line uh, for uh, getting people to register for Journalism 110, Journalism 120 at Green River College and um, uh, things like that. Um, it, it wasn't until way later to where the show got more uh, structured and more personal uh, with regards to kind of the the uh, uh, content I was sharing. But it uh, it took me a few weeks to kind of figure out what I wanted to do in terms of an intro. Obviously, just doing um, a DJ shift, I wasn't necessarily required to, uh, you know, have a produced intro or anything. But since I was taking uh, Journalism 120, uh, the digital radio and podcasting class, you know, I, I had already built up some experience 
you know, uh, kind of cutting and editing audio. So I kind of knew how to do it, but I just, I, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do musically. So I just kind of leaned into the stuff that I like, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's going to be a surprise to absolutely nobody that I'm a huge fan of the offspring. They're one of, they're one of my favorite bands, um, along with bad religion. Now, those two bands, I would say more than anything else has been represented in pretty much every, uh, show intro I've done. So like, um, I, I don't remember when it was, but, you know, after after a couple weeks of uh, DJing on KGRG, I thought it was uh, it, it was time to have something simple that I could just, uh, you know, talk over and introduce myself. And I picked uh, Days Go By. Uh, the uh, uh, title track off of uh, the Offspring's uh, 2012 album. It's uh, it's got a very uh, uh, lengthy intro, um, a, a decent amount of post time on it, and I thought that that would be um, kind of a good place to start. Uh, but it's kind of funny because um, every time I would use it, I would start talking at at a different time. I never really could kind of find that sweet spot on where to start talking and you know like the volume levels were always uh you know off I was you know like I was just getting buried in the music and it uh you know I I used it for a while but I um eventually just kind of put that one on the shelf and uh, ultimately I would come back to it later uh when it came time to uh do the Monday project um and you know it's it's funny this uh th- this whole episode is going to be uh tangents within tangents which you know I mean that's kind of what you expect from me uh by now but um I I, I want to talk about that that offspring album uh for for a quick minute uh days go by it um uh came out in 2012 and actually you know what I'm going to save this uh for a little later because uh uh I I'm going to talk about in a little bit why uh the year of our lord 2012 uh was so uh significant and influential um on me uh, uh in in just a little bit but uh this uh this album came out in that same year. So I think a lot of my memories and feelings and a lot that was going on in my life is really, uh, in a, in a subjective kind of way, uh, reflected in, uh, in the, in the songs on this album. Now, art is obviously a very subjective thing in that, you know, it's up to interpretation and you can see what you want. So there's a lot of me kind of projecting myself onto these these songs in a way that they were never intended. In fact, uh, um, I, I wrote a paper once about one of the songs on that album and how much I projected myself onto it and what my interpretation was. And it's, it's interesting because like I, I explained what the lyrics and the intent of the song was, but then I went on and explained what it meant to me and why. Um, so it's, uh, 
I I just always thought that 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 particular album uh, was kind of personal for me. So I thought uh, incorporating that into uh, my radio show was something uh, that I wanted to do. But again, I I I might come back to today's go by later. Um, when when the show became. Uh, Mike After Dark. I, you know, gave it an official name. I made a produced intro. Um, I ended up using um, a couple different uh, pieces of music, and you got to hear it in um, uh, towards the end of of the supercut. So it would have, uh, you know, as I racked up guests and they did liners and tags, you know, hey, this is, you know, Joe Chip and you're listening to Mike and Mickey, you know, um, those came later. But what I would do was have the tag um, and then a piece of music and then uh, some other elements. Um, the first intro music, that that uh, horn blast that you hear after uh, the tag, you know, it's very, uh, you know, instrumental and uh, uh, dramatic and it's, you know, it, 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 it doesn't sound like something that belongs on a uh, rock show, but it's something that's uh, that's also personal to me. It's a it's from uh, the score, uh, James Horner score from Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. And that's uh, that's one of my uh, favorite movies. And I love the score uh, for that movie. And the particular track that I chose is uh, called uh, um, Enterprise Clears Its Moorings, I think. Um, uh, and basically it's a it's a scene in the movie where they're getting ready to power up the ship and they're going to go off and have an adventure. And in this uh, scene... Uh, to correspond with the horn blast, it's all of the different lights turning on. And uh, since I was young, I always thought that that, that was just kind of like the coolest thing. And I remember when I was like, oh gosh, uh, 16, 17, 18, you know, kind of driving around in my uh, in my first cars and I would have, you know, my my disc man, you know, kind of sitting on the on the bench seat next to me with the with the, uh, you know, cassette adapter plugged into the the uh, headphone jack um and i would blast this this wrath of khan soundtrack and i <laughs> the goofiest things i would do is like i would time turning on my lights uh, to to the horn blast, so it'd be like boom, 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 and like I would, you know, it's like I would turn on the tail lights, then I would turn on the headlights, and and then um, and then I would I would drive off. It was probably probably quite frankly the nerdiest thing I think I've, I've ever confessed here uh, on the on the podcast, and I've talked about a lot of nerdy stuff, but I I always liked the bombast of just how hard it hits with those horn blasts and and every time I would play that intro um it would really kind of set my mind and kind of get me pumped to get ready to do the show just like it did um for uh, for those uh, car trips when when I was a teenager um and it was kind of interesting because like you know playing that intro 
for or with my co-hosts and to kind of see their reaction to it was also kind of interesting too because like you know we we would like occasionally like you know fist bump or pantomime you know with with the horn blast and it was it was kind of neat and but that piece of music kind of kind of trails off and i needed something to uh talk over and um you know, a little bit of, uh, well, you know, a lot behind the scenes. This entire show is going to be uh, behind the scenes stuff. So if uh, if you've made it this far and uh, haven't <laughs> realized uh, or, or don't want, you know, like to learn how the sausage gets made and, you know, some of these weird uh, personal uh, behind the scenes stuff, I guess I'll, uh, I'll see you next week. And, and thank you for listening up to this point. But yeah, it's... It's uh, um, one of one of the things that I have the hardest time with, like I was just talking about with uh, with the days go by intro is knowing when to start talking. And I had the hardest time with this uh, with the Star Trek piece because the music just kind of trails off. Um, so what I did was edited in a clip from uh, Transformers the movie, which, you know, uh, is everybody's rolling their eyes at their first mention of Transformers the movie. Uh, uh, you'll have bingo soon enough if if you're keeping track. But um, obviously that's my favorite movie and there's a lot of really great quotes from it. But uh, the for me, the most iconic moment in that movie happens very, very early and it's it's uh it's the bad guy it's uh, it's megatron and he's got his face all busted up he's just had this epic fight with optimus prime and he's got him down he's about to finish him off and he walks up to him and just you know uh full of uh boastful arrogance and you know just uh, you know there's just like a satisfaction in Frank Welker's delivery of the line he says you know uh i would have waited an eternity for this and then you know says it's over prime but i always liked the delivery of i would have waited an eternity for this and i've used that clip so many times in so many other shows as well but uh for me it's always been kind of like my go-to meme uh you know kind of like my expression of something that you know i well would have waited an eternity for and been uh, uh satisfied about it um so i incorporated that into the intro to um give myself a point where it was okay to start talking. So like I would hear Megatron say, ah, I would have waited an eternity for this. And I'd be like, you know, it is Monday night, blah, blah, blah. And you're listening to KGRG. And I would just, you know, slip into character and I would just slip into, uh, you know, my, my, uh, prepared script and, you know, just read my intro and I, I would be fine after that. Um, and there, and, and that would be something that would carry over in, um, all of my other intros, like there, there's, there's, you know, sometimes it's more subtle than others, um, where there's some kind of cue in there to where when I hear it, I know it's time to start talking. Um, because I think without that cue, I, I, I would just listen to the intro and I've done that a few times, uh, where, you know, I'll just, I'll miss my cue and I'll just listen 
And then I'll just listen to it fade and I'll be like, oh, I I haven't said anything. Um, uh, but yeah, no. And, and uh, so stitching that editing together uh, from the the Megatron quote, I would just put in like a, a instrumental of Bad Religion's uh, 21st Century Digital Boy. And, you know, I, I like that song a lot, but I also, also like uh, just kind of the beat to it is kind of just like kind of like a background thing where I would just, you know, that's what I would use as kind of trailing bed as uh, or, or trailing bed music. It's, you know, music in the background. I, I'm going to throw out a whole bunch of industry terms um, uh, if if I forget to catch something and define it. Um, well, uh, <laughs> take journalism 110 at Green River College and and be a part of KGR and you'll you'll learn all that uh that radio jargon um but no anyway i just i you know i kind of use that as just kind of background bed music and um that intro that version that i was just talking about was pretty much through the entire uh mike and mickey era um and i mean so yeah i mean got oh gosh over over a year and a half worth of use out of it using it um on monday nights um when it came time to do a new intro for uh, the new show I was going to do, The Monday Project, I went back and revisited uh, Days Go By um, because I, I always liked the sound of it because, again, it it has kind of that same uh, bombastic... Uh, almost horn blast like bomb burst that the Wrath of Khan piece has, but it's obviously you know it's 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 driving guitars, but it kind of had that 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 same sound to it, and I always kind of liked uh, something that would just kind of like you know hit hard and kind of you know kind of start driving for uh, for lack of better better term so but my uh, production skills had increased in 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 the couple years uh since so i made it a little more um elaborate i got uh my uh, my buddy corbin to do some voice work who i had uh, uh worked with on the buzz morning show on kgrg and Dude's just got a a luxurious voice. I uh, I I am so envious of uh, Corbin's voice. He just has a a very uh, natural uh, voiceover artist uh, type of sound. Um, so I thought, you know, and this was at a time he wasn't uh, uh, doing a show on KGRG. So I thought, you know, take somebody that that's not on the station anymore and you know, use their voice to be kind of quote unquote, my voice guy. (laughs) Um, he, uh, he voiced, uh, some other stuff, um, um, also for me. Uh, but also, yeah, no, I just, I, um, it, it was, it was a very polished thing and I finally made a way to make days go by work in a way that, um, that I wanted. So, so that's, so, so that was the intro for the Monday project. I ended up doing, uh, several different versions. The, the, the one that you heard in this clip is really kind of like a George Lucas Frankensteiner's version of, uh, um, of a few different iterations of it. Like, like all of those clips that I play don't exist in one singular intro. Like I, I, I like made one for each hour of the show. 
Uh, so there were like three different versions. Then I went back and did another uh, two or three versions of it uh, later on. Um, but anyway, I just, uh, um, yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd share that a little bit. And then um, currently with, uh, um, it, it, it's kind of funny how things come back around. Because like I had, uh, you know, mentioned that, my first intro, my you know, very first intro was just the music for Days Go By. And then kind of during the KGRG era, it, it became very elaborate and very well produced and uh, complex with a few different elements going on. And now with Mike Seibert Radio, I've kind of come back full circle and now I just play a instrumental version of Bad Religion's American Jesus. And it it doesn't have the same punch as, say, Enterprise Clears Its Moorings or Days Go By. It has it has kind of a different vibe, but it's still kind of like that that um all of my intros, when I listen to them, um it's it's the last thing that I hear before I turn the microphones on and start talking to you. So that's the thing that I need to hear to get pumped up. And um, even now, and I was doing it just now as I, as I was recording, when I hear that 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 uh, that riff. Uh, from American Jesus, I kind of like kind of, you know, I, I mean, I usually stand up when I record anyway, but, you know, I kind of stand up, I kind of hop up and down, maybe do a little bit of boxing like I'm like, you know, Henry Cavill in a Mission Impossible Fallout, you know, like reloading his punching arms, you know, uh, doing some of that. Incidentally, go see Mission Impossible Fallout. It's amazing. Um, but um uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Um, um, American Jesus. And basically it's all it is, is it's just the first part of the song. And there, there's there's a particular musical cue in there that I know when I hear it, it's my time to talk. And that's what I do, you know, for uh, for a couple episodes uh, early episodes, I mean, this would have been like, you know, maybe episode 103, 104-ish. Um, you know, I was experimenting with uh, using Midnight Oil uh, Beds Are Burning. Uh, there's a version of that. And um, that was one of those things where, like, I, uh, you know, we, we would use it at work, um, at my job. And... I played it and it just kind of like un- it hit a nostalgia button. It's like, I haven't heard this song in forever. I really like the beginning of it. You know, maybe I can, I can use it for uh, my own purposes, but then I realized that that wasn't really such a good idea um, because I, I don't think that there's any crossover uh, between the work I do professionally on the radio uh, here in Seattle and what I do in the podcast, but I don't want to find out. <laughs> you know, like you know, I get an email from somebody. It's like, hey, isn't that the intro to Mike Seibert Radio? Uh, I just, yeah, that 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 would just be a weird. 
uh, thing to have to deal with. But um, no, I just uh, I just wanted to kind of take a couple minutes before I got even deeper into the story and just uh, you know kind of talk about those intros a little bit because I, uh, I I think I talked about this maybe back when I was talking about um, Avengers: Infinity War and like my my love of elaborate show intros. Um, and I just, I, I like, I like the pomp and circumstance of, you know, having like, you know, like opening credits or like, you know, a consistent theme song. And, um, you know, as I, as I get ready to start talking about kind of like, you know, my early history with radio and a lot of the things that, that kind of influenced me, um, the thing they have in common is, you know, they, they would have kind of like, you know, iconic, uh, uh, intros. So it's, it's something that I've always been, uh, hot about and something that I've always wanted, uh, since the very beginning, uh, to be incorporated in, uh, in part of my show. Um, all right, so uh, so now that I've kind of uh, bounced around a little bit and and talked about the origin of uh, some of those uh, some of those intros, um, I, I kind of wanted to wind the clocks back a bit and maybe go a, a little more chronologically if uh, if I can, uh, because like I said, when uh, when I was getting ready for this uh, interview with Don and Dean uh, for the Podskier podcast, I. I was I was prepared for them to ask me like you know what what kind of uh, what got you interested in radio or like what you know what your influences were and 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 that kind of as I as I already said kind of got me uh thinking about it and there's uh there was a couple things that I, until I kind of stared at the floor and just kind of reflected for a few, I had kind of forgotten about uh, that, that, um, you know, radio in one way or another has had kind of an influence uh, for basically as long as I can remember. Um, I I remember when I was super young, I would have been like maybe five or six, Something like that. Um, you know, it, it's interesting how people uh, kind of form and have childhood memories. There are some people that claim that they have uh, memories prior to being five. Um, I'm not one of them. It seems to be like five is kind of where um, where stuff really kind of starts percolating and and popping. I mean, there's some stuff that I, you know, very vividly remember. Um, you know, and and usually it's surrounding uh, 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 gifts and gift holidays. Like I I remember getting a sound wave for for my birthday um, in 1984. Uh, so you know, so yeah, I've got I've got a I've got a lot of uh, memories like that. But I I remember. Um, kind of around that same time, I, I was probably like five or six and my great grandmother had given me a, uh, it was, it was, it was an old radio. It was a, uh, single speaker AM radio. And, and I remember this was, it was kind of like beige in color, but like the, the speaker had kind of like, you know, uh, kind of like this, 
I, I don't even know what you would call it. Kind of like, you know, uh, you know, whatever type of, you know, like uh, on contemporary speakers, you know, like foam padding or something like that. But th- this was more like um, upholstery and it was kind of like cream colored with I, I swear I'm remembering this right, where there was like some like gold flecks in it or maybe it was in the in the beige plastic for the casing. I, I don't remember which, but I just I just remember it being kind of like cream colored and some like, you know, gold flecks and spackle. And it had kind of like this, uh, had like a silver dial on it. And um, I, I remember like the the numbers were, you know, uh, for to tune in the, the stations were um, very, very uh, narrow. They, <laughs> they, they, uh, I remember it being a similar font and size, um, you know, tall and narrow, like the, like the font on my grandmother's more cigarettes. You know, she, uh, she used to smoke uh, more cigarettes. It was green pack and like those, those, um, they all, they would almost be like clove cigarettes at this point, but they were like a foot and a half long. They were like, you know, like one twenties or something like, like super long and in like a, brown uh wrapper and anyway uh it was uh i just remember the font being being similar um but i i remember like i would you know turn it on and just kind of like fiddle with it i think i was more interested in fiddling with it than actually listening to stump but um and of course it being am radio it would be really hard to get something that would actually kind of t- uh come in clearly so there was kind of like a little bit of uh you know like deft of skill involved and yeah i just uh you know remember i i don't you know obviously i would have no bearing of what station it was but i i i remember i would come across the the paul harvey show and there was uh, just something magnetic and almost hypnotizing about just the way Paul Harvey spoke. You know, it's like, and now the rest of the story, you know, a, a, a particular talk radio show host style of enunciation and pronunciation and projection and uh, none of which I I can actually do. Um, But I I just, um, I don't remember comprehending any of the content, but I just just remember um, really kind of digging the sound of it, just the sound of his voice. And I think... That's that's the earliest memory I think I have of, you know, um, you know, listening to radio and it and it leaving an impression on me. Um, you know, fast forward uh, a number of years and a, a lot of these references are going to be um, hyper local, um, you know, for, for the Seattle area. I've uh, I was born in Seattle. I've lived in the in the Seattle area my entire life. It's my home and it's where I record. And a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about is is, again, very uh, Seattle related. So um, apologies to my, you know, out of state and international listeners. But I um, uh, I I had um, 
my buddy Rich and I, we uh, uh, we grew up together. He was my best friend growing up. And we would, um, you know, have, have sleepovers. You know, it's, he would spend the night at my place. I would spend the night at his place. And um, we would, you know, listen to the radio at, at night sometimes. Uh, and we, we listened to uh, Cube 93, uh, you know, just like... All, all 93.3 uh, Cube FM, you know, like uh, um, everybody else did, uh, you know, it, all throughout the 80s and, and into the 90s. It was, uh, you know, huge top 40 station. And, you know, it's it, again, it's it's music that the kids listen to. And it's kind of interesting. I just uh, was was driving, uh, driving around uh, recently and I saw a billboard saying that Cube is back. Um, so yeah, so KUBE is back on 93.3 FM, um, uh, presumably, uh, playing top 40 hits just like they, they used to back in the day. That was kind of their, their bread and butter. I I know they, they were, um, uh, kind of more of a, uh, mainstream hip hop station for a while and, and that, uh, format unfortunately didn't stick, um, I'm I'm getting way off track. Uh, anyway, my my buddy Rich and I we we would listen to uh, listen to Cube at night, and uh, you know like we would occasionally like call up the radio station and like request songs, and it was so funny because I mean w- one of the things I learned in my in my uh, radio classes at at Green River College and my you know uh, Tom our our instructor uh, Tom Evans Krause he he tells us. On like day one of classes, it's like, okay, there's going to be kind of like a trade off here. You know, you're going to learn a lot of stuff, but you're never going to be able to listen to the radio the same way ever again. And he's right. You know, it's like my, uh, you know, aside from working professionally in uh, in commercial radio now, in in addition to doing this uh, podcasting stuff for fun, um, I he's right. I, I can't listen to the radio uh, the same way anymore. I, I can't, I can't turn off my, (laughs) my, my perspective on, on listening to it. But, um, my buddy and I were, were kids and we would request songs and we would be so excited when they would play the songs that we requested. Well, but we're requesting stuff that's in the top 40. So if we're requesting, you know, you can't touch this from MC Hammer or perhaps Ice Ice Baby from Vanilla Ice, you know, it's it's in their rotation. It's something that they're going to play. But we're dumb kids and we didn't know any better. And we thought that, you know, it's like the power that we had. You know, we called the radio station and they played the song we wanted to hear. It was a really... Uh, a really cool feeling, and one of the one of, I don't know. It's it, it's it's one of my favorite memories of uh, of this. We uh, uh, we we were listening to Cube one night, and they were doing a contest where you it was something it was something where you had to like count the songs in a row. And then when they gave the cue to call, you would call in and say how many songs it was. Well, I, uh, I, I, my buddy and I, we counted. They played nine songs in a row. 
and we called the number and called it busy signal callback, busy signal callback, busy signal callback. Finally, it rings. And dude picks up the phone and says, how many songs did we play? And I tell him nine songs in a row. And I think at that point he asked me my name and and all that stuff. He's like, okay, so here's what I would like you to do. I am going to hold up the phone and then I want you to yell, um, you played eight songs in a row. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, but you played nine. He's like, well, you know, I, I want you to say eight. Okay. And like a freaking knucklehead, he, you know, he's like, okay, go ahead. And at, uh, you know, at, at kind of yelling, um, thing, cause he told me to yell into the phone. Uh, my buddy's parents are in the next room sleeping, uh, by the way, this was very late at night or at least very late at night for, for a couple, um, 11 year old kids in, in 1991. But no, it was, I was like, you know, you played eight in a row. And he's like, okay, cool. That's, that's all I need. Thanks. I'm like, well, wait a sec. Don't, um, oh, and I just, I, I totally forgot the, the, you know, sometimes when I tell stories, I kind of forget to, sometimes I overly set it up. Sometimes I don't set it up enough. Uh, this time is the latter. Uh, they were giving away concert tickets to new kids on the block at, uh, at the kingdom. So we were calling in to win tickets to new kids on the block. Don't laugh. Um, and so I give the wrong answer. The guy's getting ready. To, and I'm like, wait a damn minute. He's like, well, but you gave the wrong answer. I'm like, I gave the wrong answer because you told me to. Um, and we ended up arguing for a few. I kind of like, you know, stood my ground, which is really kind of interesting because knowing what I know now, he could have just hung up on me and been done with it. Um, he didn't owe me anything. Um, uh, the long and short of it is he's like, okay, well, give me your address. We'll send you a prize. I'm like, cool, man. Uh, weeks and weeks pass. Um, and you know, when, when you're a kid, time travels, uh, significantly more slowly. So, like, if you if you sent away for hooded Cobra Commander, and it says it's going to take like six to eight weeks, it felt like a year. Um, so, yeah. So, what what felt like a, an eternity? Uh, we get uh, we get an envelope, um, and and you know it has the distinctive feel of a cassette tape. And we see the envelope and it has, uh, you know, like the Cube 93 uh, logo at the top. And we're like, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. What is this? What is this? What is this? Tear open the envelope. It's uh, it was a cassette of share uh, heart of stone. They sent us a cassette of share heart of stone. That's the one with, you know, if I could turn back time and. Uh, heart of stone and maybe some other stuff. Um, I, I, you know what? I may actually still have that cassette. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was one of those things. Cause I mean, again, we wanted new kids on the block tickets and instead we get a, a cassette tape of share. Um, it was, uh, it was, a it was just a weird, uh, weird thing. Um, but I, I think during the same time, 
uh, my buddy Rich and I, we would uh, record ourselves um, on blank cassettes. You know, we, we had, you know, like a, a cassette recorder and we would do our own goofy uh, radio shows, you know, where we're just, uh, you know, uh, just shooting the breeze and doing terrible impressions. I remember we were doing just kind of like, you know, like our versions of like in living color sketches. Um, and we thought we'd be like super edgy and like swear and stuff. We thought, oh, you know, we're, we're just we're being super edgy because we're swearing on our on our uh on our radio program that that we're uh that we're making ourselves and um actually come to think of it um i i remember when i was even younger like uh you know kind of like the uh, 7 8 years old um you know a handful of years before this where i would kind of record uh my own uh, kind of, kind of goofy type radio shows, and I do like, you know, like, hey, yo, this is this is Mike, blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't remember what Rich and I called ourselves, but, but, but yeah, we came up with like goofy morning zoo DJ names, and yeah, we, it, I mean, I'm sure it was all terrible, but I, again, I may or may not still have those cassettes. Um. Maybe if I'm, you know, still doing podcasting in another year or so and I find a way to maybe digitize that stuff, I'm not promising anything. But, you know, um, again, I didn't want to be too elaborate here and I didn't want to throw things that would slow me down. So um, so I didn't pursue that this time around. But you know what? Maybe I'll take a look and see if I can find uh, some of those old uh, radio shows, see what I still have from when I was like, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12 with uh, with my buddy Rich. Um, he's uh, um, he's not with us anymore. And uh, I, I don't want to talk about that too terribly much, but it was uh, I I. I think I think I do want to kind of find that just to, uh, you know, maybe kind of uh, touch back on that. But um, uh, other other experiences, you know, kind of this was this was all kind of like right around uh, the the same time as well. Kind of like this, you know, two, three, four, four year period in late 80s, early 90s. uh, again, listening, uh, listening to Cube, and uh, this was when uh, Simpsons Mania was sweeping the nation. You know, I may or may not have had more than one uh, Bart Simpson T-shirt. And in fact, it was kind of funny because, like, I, uh, um, I, I've since as I've as I've gotten older, I've I've gotten this. Uh, streak where I'm into authentic stuff, meaning like, you know, it's, you know, if it's not the original thing, I want no part of it. Um, I've since eased up on that and I, I, um, appreciate the novelty of like weird, wacky offshoot stuff. Where I'm going with that is like when I was a, when I was a kid, you know, uh, with like, you know, allowance and chores and, you know, uh, all of that. I, the, the types of Simpson shirts that I could get myself were not the ones from, you know, the JC Penny or the, uh, or the chess King or, oh, you know, where, I don't even know if chess King sold Simpson shirts, but, but anyway, no, uh, you know, like the, like the, you know, super authentic ones that were fully licensed and stuff. No, I got mine from like the, the corner Chevron 
store that, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe the guy's brother has like a silk screening thing. So I got like, you know, you know, wafer thin uh, knockoff T-shirts. But I um, I I remember uh, uh, trying to be super economical in like there was like one shirt design that had like five different t-shirt designs on it so it wasn't just like bart simpson saying like don't have a cow man it would be like that plus you know like four other designs on like one t-shirt kind of like in a grid pattern and i'm like yes that that's what i want why because it's you know five designs in one why get five different t-shirts when i could just get this one I was not especially bright and kind of got made fun of a lot for for that particular shirt. But uh, but anyway, Simpsons Mania was was uh, all over and the uh, the nighttime DJ, um, a DJ named Jerry Hart. And I remember that uh, vividly because um, I I would listen to a show and I kind of kind of liked his style and all that. But he would bring on um, impersonators. Um, I don't know if these were just, you know, hired hands or what, or just, just people in the studio doing shtick, but basically they would present it as if it were, you know, the Simpsons in studio. So like you could, you know, call in and ask, you know, Homer Simpson, Bart Simpson, Marge Simpson, your questions. It was a, it was a call in thing. It was, um, incredibly goofy. And so I don't know what the audience for that was. And again, this is this is playing top 40 music. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if this was for kids specifically. Um, I know me and my friends were super into it. We were super into Simpsons and we were into uh, Cube Radio. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, maybe that was for us. I don't know if it's for adults or not. But um, anyway, we're listening to the show. And and it's like, well, hey, if you've got a question, give us a call. And I, you know, kind of egged on by my friends, um, you know, I pick up the phone and I dial and it's, you know, it's the same thing. This this was maybe like a year or so after after the uh, uh, the share cassette incident. Uh, but I, I call it up. It's like busy tone. Hang up. Busy tone, hang up, uh, you know, redial, redial. Um, uh, because I, I remember our phone was like super awesome where it had like an actual redial button on there, you'd hit it and go beep, boop, 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 boop. Um, but yeah, I, I got in, I'm like, hey, I, I would like to ask Bart Simpson a question. They're like, hey, what's your question? And uh, my question, which we thought was pretty good, was, where did Bart Simpson meet Jerry Hart? Because, you know, the, the DJ I was talking about and the, and it was like, well, Hey, that's a great question. You know, let me, let me put that up on. No, I'm sure he didn't say, let me put that up on the screen. I mean, I'm like 12. He's not going to tell me that. Um, but no, they, and I asked my question on the air and I, um, I remember, we recorded it. So like my, you know, buddies had like our, you know, tape recorder in the next room and they were, you know, uh, rolling on it and uh, recording it. And it's kind of funny. And we would listen back to it 
And I think it was the first instance of me really encountering the insecurity about my voice. Now, I don't think I had gone through puberty yet, so I don't know what I was bitching about. But but it's it's funny. And I got to find this audio for you um, at some point um, because... 11-year-old Mike, 12-year-old Mike, however old I was at that time, has kind of the same uh, diction and cadence and um, uh, speaking pattern that I do even now today. You know, my vocabulary is a little, uh, maybe a little more broad, but not much. But I just I just remember, you know, it's I was going on the air and... And I remember being like a little hesitant and the way that I was saying it's like, so I um, have a um, question for um, (laughs) and and yeah, and 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 that's just the way that I talk now. Um, So I'd like to ask Bart, um, how did you meet Jerry Hart? And and it was like, I think the answer was like I met him at 7-Eleven trying to steal Slurpees. Or, or something like that. And I remember I, I cracked up and laughed. I thought that was pretty funny. And, and then, and then the, the immediate abruptness of being hung up on, you know, it's like, I'm like, hello, hello, uh, Bart Simpson, are you still there? And no, they had gotten what they had wanted for me from the show and then hung up on me. Um, I know this because I do, I do that very thing at my uh, at my day job at work. Um, But that is near as I can tell was the first time that I was live on the radio. And I have never told that story before. And um, I, I had forgotten how much of an impression that left on me, because even telling you the story now I again, I could vividly hear myself. I I remember what this cassette tape looks like. It, it was like a uh, old uh, um, uh, Magnavox tape. It was like a black tape with a brown label, and I remember writing Bart calls on it. And um, again, maybe I still have that somewhere, and uh, see if I can dig that up for you. Um, okay, so let's uh, uh, we're we're gonna take another sizable. Uh, jump in time uh, to around uh, 1998, maybe uh, 1999, um, I want to talk about a radio station in Seattle called 100.7 The Buzz. Not to be confused with the Buzz Morning Show on uh, KGRG. Um, that, uh, that came uh, much later, and... Uh, interestingly enough, I discovered that the name of, uh, the buzz morning show was not in any way inspired by the old buzz radio station, which that, that really cracks me up. I was like, Hey guys, you know, this was a radio station here in town, right? Oh, oh, I think maybe I knew that. (laughs) So it's, it's just kind of like a weird, um, uh, kind of, kind of a weird uh, deviation on that, but this was a this was my first exposure to 
uh, FM Talk Radio. So, you know, I kind of knew of talk radio a little bit, like, you know, from like, you know, uh, conservative blowhards and and sports talk radio and things like that. None, none of which I had any interest in. You know, I, I was you know, at, at an age where I was listening to music radio at that point, I had kind of, you know, graduated to KISW and was, you know, listening to more, um, more rock, you know, it's like, I, I would, I would alternate between, uh, uh, one Oh seven, seven, the end and KISW depending upon, you know, wh- what, uh, uh, what they were playing. Um, but I discovered this, uh, this radio station, the buzz, I was, uh, you know, driving around, uh, with my buddy Andrew, we were uh, working at the time uh, at my uh, um, inventory job, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's I I I, I don't remember what show was on. It, it was either like uh, Kennedy or or Howie Carr or something. I I don't I don't remember, but I I remember it was enough to where I was like, hey, this is this is kind of funny." And I kind of like this and I found myself listening to it, uh, the station and very quickly, um, uh, getting hooked. And, you know, obviously I mentioned, um, you know, uh, uh, Kennedy who, who now, uh, does, a uh, Fox business on TV, uh, used to be an MTV, uh, VJ back in the day. And so, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm kind of, kind of okay with this. Uh, you know, has, has maybe a little more of a socialist Seattle bent than, than I realized, but, uh, but whatever. Um, but, but the thing that, that, it's so funny. I'm I'm almost embarrassed, but I can't be because you know it did kind of uh, form my taste for the the type of you know radio that I would be into for um, a long time, and that is the Tom Lika show. Holy crap! I was into Tom Likas like you would not believe. I hadn't heard anything like it before. You know, and, you know, he's talking about like, you know, uh, you know, banging chicks and hanging out with dudes and guy stuff and guy things. And and it was um, again, just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, And I just I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I just I really latched on to it. And um, that that was kind of like uh, the the anchor for uh, this radio station, the buzz. He was on it at like two p.m. or something like that, right about the time I'm commuting. So I would listen every day. Um, so I got like super into it. Um, and yeah, you know, like on on the same station at the time, you know, you had um, oh gosh, I, I don't know the whole lineup, but at one point they had uh, the Mark and Brian show. I know my good buddy Dave is super into them. Um, they they were uh, syndicated out of California and broadcast in Seattle. Uh, Phil Hendry, uh, Don and Mike, um, a, a handful of other folks that that I have no hope of remembering but yeah it was just like this whole um FM talk and it was all just kind of like rowdy irreverent type humor and um that that was enough to get my interest but then in October of 1999 a uh brand new 
of a show host came on uh, middays in the in the middle of the afternoon. Um, a guy from Rochester, New York, named B.J. Shea. Now, B.J. has influenced me personally as a broadcaster probably more than anybody else. Um, his, uh, his, his show is so funny. I found like some old clips on YouTube and wow, that, that's, uh, that was some rough stuff, but I just, I remember being super into it because he was kind of like a Seattle based Tom Likas knockoff. It felt kind of like diet Tom Likas. It felt like, it felt like a really good opening act like I would listen to BJ then I would listen to Tom Likas and I felt for me that I would got like five hours of really good you know rowdy irreverent radio um and you know I I, I didn't care that it was kind of like a Likas clone because it was local um and he uh BJ was a huge nerd like I was. You know, he was talking about like Star Trek and Star Wars and and all of this uh this other stuff that I had never heard anybody talk about on on the radio before. I mean, you know, he's talking about comic books and I mean keep in mind this is 1999. We're nine years away from Iron Man. You know, we're uh you know, we're 10 years after Batman 89 and two years after Batman and Robin. Uh, you know, it's not like it was an especially good time uh, for uh, comic book movies and that kind of style style of pop culture, you know, and it's kind of it's kind of weird to imagine that era that time now that you know kind of like in this post big bang theory uh marvel cinematic universe uh world that we live in but yeah i mean there was there was a time kind of like late 90s early 2000s where you know it it it, it was just it was just not what we have today um but but I I liked BJ's show because um, he was kind of the beleaguered straight man uh, with a goofy cast of characters uh, that he surrounded himself with. Like you know he had a producer uh, Brad, the producer from Hell. What a dick! Um, that that actively <laughs> actively tried to undermine BJ on the air, and and I. I don't know if they were doing shtick or if that was just the way it was. BJ says that's actually the way that it was at first, but then they realized it worked and they kind of leaned into it. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, he, Brad would put on bad callers and, you know, would just, you know, the, you know, just the interaction with them. And, um, and then of course his, uh, board operator, uh, top shelf who, you know, honestly, in uh, in my own way, I um, even today at my at my at my big boy radio job, I kind of model my behavior off of like, uh, you know, and and I guess I guess I'll mention this now because I, I realize I haven't already. Um, I uh, I do work for a um, cluster of commercial radio stations here in Seattle. Um, I'm a board operator, um, and I, uh, I, I don't 
mention the stations I work for uh, by name. You know, it's a uh, uh, news and talk stations. Um, I mean, I, I don't try to hide it because, you know, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram or any of my social media, you could figure out where I work. It's I'm, I'm not trying to hide it, but um, my boss gave me some advice, um, oh, I don't know, like a year or so ago. He's like, you know what? Maybe a little bit of distance uh, wouldn't be such a bad idea because, you know, it's like I, I'm not smart enough to use a stage name. So, you know, I'm I'm Mike Seibert there. I'm Mike Seibert here. Actually, it's kind of funny. I, and I talked about this on uh, Podskewer with uh, with Don and Dean. But, yeah, it, it, in a way, my stage name at work is Mike Seibert because nobody can uh, pronounce my name correctly. And I'm polite and don't correct them because that's a longer story. I just I I, I don't care. And I guess in a weird way, that's kind of created that that separation organically but um but anyway i i do kind of model a little bit of my behavior on uh top shelf not to the the extent that his character was um i you know so i don't i don't get on the mic as much as he did but like you know like the off mic laughing so like if my producer is doing a segment and he says something funny instead of stifling the laugh i'll let it go knowing that a listener is going to hear some guy laughing in the background. And that's, that's kind of like my own, uh, stylistic, uh, homage to, uh, um, top shelf. And his, uh, his story doesn't have a pleasant end. He was like unceremoniously fired a, a handful of years ago. Um, probably too high at the top of the pay scale, but I, I, I don't, I don't want to get into gossip that I don't know anything about, uh, but anyway, I just I, I got into BJ Shea in a big, bad way, just the, the same way I did uh, Tom Likas. And, you know, uh, fast forward a handful of years, I'm going to listener parties, uh, hanging out with other radio fans. And yeah, I mean, I mean, imagine if you will. I, I don't know if this is even a thing anymore. Um, I. I, I don't even know if this is a thing anymore, but basically, like, Tom Likas would do uh, live broadcasts from Seattle. Like, he, he his show was in L.A., but he would come up to Seattle occasionally and do shows. Not all that dissimilar to, like, what, say, Kevin Smith does. You know, if he, you know, does... Fat Man on Batman from the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Actually, it's exactly the same thing now that I think about it. But basically, like, you know, he would he would have like the radio crew and he would do his afternoon drive time radio show. Um, and it was typically on a Friday, you know, it was Flash Friday, you know, show us your tits. <laughs> but uh no, he so yeah, we would be in a um dark nightclub. In downtown Seattle in the middle of the afternoon. So this would be like where bands would play and things like that, you know, music venues. And he would do his show on a stage and the listener party would be basically, you know, you'd be hanging around with a whole bunch of other dudes. Um, and yeah, it was, it it sounds kind of pathetic, uh, now that I say it out loud and share it here with you, but those were a lot of fun and it's it's a weird weird thing 
when you're you're finding yourself way too drunk and and your night is over at 7 p.m. on a, on a Friday night because because you've been boozing and cruising since two o'clock in the afternoon and yeah so I'm like 21 22 years old um you know I you know in a relationship obviously and and there was a um there was a time or two that that uh lucky came with me you know you know my uh, uh girlfriend at the time now wife uh, for for uh, uh 15 years now but no she she went to a listener party with me and and uh that that was an experience but but no it was just like this whole weird culture of this outrageous talk radio and that, you know, I mean, they didn't charge for admission, but it was ticketed for like crowd control. So you would have to go where like the street team was. It's like, okay, we're at like, you know, the Honda dealership in Fife, you know, find the buzz street team and, you know, get your tickets to uh, Tom Likas and, you know, um, you know, and we'd have other uh, door prizes too. Like uh, at what point I, you know, won a case of wired energy drink. Um, and this was before we were putting energy drinks in aluminum cans. Uh, uh, this was in plastic bottles. Yeah, I I didn't get through the entire case before the uh, plastic started to break down. I remember I would pick up one and it would feel uh, uh soft and spongy. Um, so yeah, that <laughs> fun times there. But yeah, no, um, this uh this uh Buzz radio station, I just I remember just being so obsessed with it and enamored with it like I um even hanging up in my house now I have like a sign from a Tom Lycus show that says like oh nudity is not allowed people exposing themselves will be asked to leave I have like you know like a a, a vinyl uh radio station banner from them um it it was just it was just something that I was uh, super into, and you know more shows uh, came and went. Like you know Ron and Don, uh, you know were on the buzz in the morning. Uh, the uh, the Marconi show out of Portland. I I remember really being into them because they were. It was like a Portland. It was like a show in the. It was an afternoon show out of Portland that. Uh, the buzz played on tape delay in like the middle of the night, and I would um, uh, I would be working late at uh, at, at work, and I would I would listen to their show for for the little bit that it was on, and and of course the men's room, um, you know, uh, got got their uh, start on the buzz along with uh, BJ, and a lot of people uh, don't remember that, um, but. In uh in two thousand five, you know, just to give a little bit of history as I'm, you know, kind of going through my own history, uh Howard Stern, of course, leaves terrestrial radio. Um and I I uh um I I remember this very vividly. So I, I'm listening to the buzz in the morning. This was at um I want to say ten o'clock ish. I I don't remember when the uh, the Robert the Robin and Maynard show ended, uh, but basically like I'm listening to it and they go to like say like a, a commercial break or something. The show didn't actually end. I do remember that. And then the next thing I hear is Toby Keith uh, singing "How Do You Like Me Now," 
And then it's like, you know, 100.7, the wolf. Ow. They flipped uh, the format from, you know, this uh, FM talk station uh, to a country station with no warning, no stunting, no countdown, no nothing. They just flip the switch and suddenly it's it's a country station. And um, I, I remember being... Um, and again, this, this tells you how much I was into this, but I was like legitimately upset. I was upset. I was hurt. I was angry. And I just, I, um, you know, years later I would come to understand the move. Um, that, that format, that FM talk format is, is tough to, you know, sell to advertisers, especially when at that point in like the, you know, mid 2000s, uh, they were really kind of pushing the agenda of like, you know, radio for guys. And it was, you know, kind of like I, I, I would probably say borderline misogynistic at times. Um, and it really was kind of starting to slip from what I had initially been a fan of. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's still, uh, kind of, it really, it really, it really bothered me. Um, but out of that, um, you know, so Howard Stern moves to terrestrial radio, the buzz flips to, uh, the wolf, the country station. And out of that, after, um, after a handful of months, uh, BJ Shea moves to KISW um, and does live radio in that spot that was held by Howard Stern being uh, syndicated. And then along with uh, with the men's room in the in the afternoon uh, where they both continue to broadcast uh, uh, to this day and where I would continue to listen to them on the radio uh, for for several more years after. Um, but as, as I said, the uh, uh, the buzz meant a lot to me and imprinted a lot on me in terms of what I liked and what I wanted out of radio um, as an audience member. I, I it kind of helped me form uh, my taste. It, it didn't necessarily give me the inspiration at that point to seriously consider doing radio myself or being part of the show. Uh, that would all all come much later. Um, but being a fan of the buzz and KSW, uh, cemented the reason why I chose to listen to a radio station, like choose one station over the other, um, as the personalities. And I, I remember even in my radio classes as recently as a couple years ago, um, I, I would kind of get into like these, you know, philosophical disagreements with, uh, with Tom, our, our instructor, who's, you know, a 30 plus year vet of the industry. And he's telling me in class that people tune into the radio for the music. And I say, no, they, they tune in for the personalities. And it took me until very, very recently that it's like, oh, no, I tune into the radio for the personalities. People can tune in for the music and that's OK. You know, people can be folks that aren't me. <laughs> Whereas at a time I thought maybe because of my particular preferences that I was somehow 
uh, uh, representative uh, of uh, people. But it, it it's kind of funny uh, to just kind of cap off the uh, uh, the buzz era. I still hold a secret grudge against that studio, and I will not listen to anything ever broadcast on one hundred point seven in in Seattle. Now it's it's been the wolf ever since it, and it, it is now you know the 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 king shit country station, and you know good for them because they found a way to sell that station and make it work because I mean, commercial radio is it's show business, right? Um, and without the business, there's no show. And I remember, um, in my classes, uh, Dave Richards, who is the, the, uh, uh, general manager of, uh, intercom Seattle, which, um, you know, is KSW, the wolf, uh, and, and a couple other stations as well. Um, um, and he told us the story in class about how the decision was made to flip the format of the buzz. And he hated to do it because he liked the personalities. He liked the content. He liked the shows, but they couldn't sell on it. And, um, so I'm sitting there, you know, this is, you know, 10 years on and I'm listening to that and I'm like, I finally got the answers I was looking for, you know, you know, uh, uh, 24 year old Mike, you know, shaking his fist at the radio, uh, not knowing that 10 years later I would get not just an explanation, but an explanation that would make sense and that I would totally understand. With that being said, still not listening. I, I'm, uh, I, I am, uh, I am too petty, um, on, on that. Now, um, I, I was way late to the party on podcasts, uh, listening to them, picking them up. Um, I, I've never really been an early adopter on, well, gosh, really, really anything, uh, technologically, um, probably has to do, uh, with, uh, you know, my upbringing. I mean, I mean, growing up, we weren't necessarily what I would consider to be poor, you know, like in terms of like, you know, uh, government cheese and things like that. But there were, there, there, there were times that, you know, my, uh, uh folks were, we were doing food stamps and things like that. So, um, but, <laughs> the the thing that w- that was always kind of interesting with uh, with me and technology is I was I was always like um a, a step behind so like when a lot of my friends got Super Nintendo I got regular Nintendo uh, uh things like that and that that's kind of like a, an aesthetic that's kind of kind of been with me uh even to this day like even like with i don't know like smartphones or something like that you know i'm always like a couple generations behind um but it's kind of interesting though because uh growing up i always had like the um you know like newest coolest toys but i didn't get them brand new my uh my uh grandmother my great grandmother my aunt they were they were all uh they were all huge garage sailors and basically they go around to these uh, uh garage sales i mean I, I i could talk about you know uh, uh shopping at garage sales all ding dong day that's probably a whole whole different show but basically like 
you know, that's where like a better portion of my G.I. Joe's and Transformers and, you know, uh, even to extent some of the Star Wars stuff. A lot of that came from garage sales. And again, it was kind of, um, uh, you know, like slightly older. Uh, but I also remember that toys were reasonably priced at that time where, you know, I would frequently get like, you know, G.I. Joe's and, and Star Wars figures and, and things like that um, because they were just reasonably reasonably priced uh, where where uh, uh, let me see if I can kind of transition out of that one. Uh, but my uh, uh, I don't know, like like like, for example, the the first computer I ever owned uh, was actually a work computer Um and I I knew that like podcasts were a thing and they sounded exciting and sexy and exclusive. And, you know, people were listening to podcasts on their iPods, uh, which I never got, never, never got into that really like, you know, even like during like the MP3 boom with like, you know, Napster and all the file sharing and all that stuff. I, I, that that whole train just passed me by because like I was I don't know fixated on working or or I I don't really know but I've even now I've uh, I've never owned an Apple product uh, you know no iPhones I'm an Android guy you know no iPods no iMacs. Uh, I want to say probably like the last time I've even touched an Apple computer was probably like when I was in like the seventh grade or something like that. Just uh, just uh, just kind of off my radar. But I I didn't start listening to podcasts until like 2012. Um, there, there's that year coming up again. Um, but that, that was around the same time I got on social media. I, I started a Twitter account and again, you know, this is, you know, kind of like in, in, uh, uh, late 2012, maybe early 2013. I, I got on Twitter because, uh, at the time that was the only platform, uh, social media platform that Kevin Smith was using. And he would talk about this in his podcast. Oh, you know, Twitter, this Twitter, that. And I was like, well, that that sounds kind of cool to me. Maybe I'll I'll check that out. My uh, my wife and friends and all of their friends were all on Facebook and and it uh it sounds so dumb now. I uh, um, I don't know if this makes me either a curmudgeon or a hipster or a curmudgeonly hipster, but um, it, it it's so dumb, especially now that I've actually been on Facebook myself for uh, for a few months. Um, and again, only for, for a few months, I've talked about on that on the show, uh, previously not going to really get into it here, but I, I had this deathly fear that all of these people, you know, quote unquote, these people from my past were going to find me again, using air quotes, you know, that like people from high school or from work or whatever, were going to find me. And I didn't want any part of that. I I guess I didn't want to be found. So stupid. But because um, I I mean you know it, and it's and it's interesting. Um, at this point, both uh, my ten year and now twenty year uh, high school reunion has come and gone, and the deal I made with myself. I, I've had no contact with really anybody from high school, but uh, the deal I made with myself is that if 
they can find me and invite me, then I'll consider going. If they can't find me, well, they don't want me to go badly enough, so therefore I don't want to go. It's it's a shitty attitude, but but it's um I I was I was really kind of like a moody antisocial kid in in high school, and really reflecting back, a lot of that I just kind of brought on myself because I'm kind of obnoxious and and uh, kind of a jerk at times, but um. But anyway, that, that that's why I didn't really do Facebook. Um, but, you know, I, I mentioned uh, uh, 2012 again, and I, I guess I should get into it. Um, I've talked about this in vague terms. Um, and, you know, like I, I've, you know, shared stuff off the record with some of my guests and friends and things like that. So I've, I've lost track of how much I've shared uh, publicly and, and, and not. Uh, but a lot changed uh, for me and my family in 2012, uh, reflecting back, like I've mentioned a couple times, uh, really kind of a watershed year in terms of kind of informing uh, where I am today. Um, there's, you know, like there's certain milestones you, you use to measure your life, right? You know, uh, school, buying a house, moving away from your parents, moving back with your parents, uh, marriage, kids, jobs, etc. And, uh, 2012, um, especially for, uh, me and Lucky, we we kind of define our lives kind of before 2012 and after 2012 because it really is kind of uh, two separate eras. Um, we lost my sister-in-law and father-in-law uh, within six months of each other um, that year. Um, and what that loss did for me personally was give me perspective. I, I'm not going to speak of any of my other uh, family members here because, well, quite frankly, I'm talking about myself. But but no, I it, it gave me a perspective and a cold slap across the face. You know, I, I suddenly thought on all of the holidays I had missed, you know, all of the dinners and get togethers and, and all of the, the small things uh, that I couldn't make it to because of my job. Uh, my, my hours uh, doing inventory work, um, especially like, um, yeah, it was, it was just weird hours, you know, late nights, early mornings, a lot of weird swing shifts and a lot of travel. So there would be, you know, so many times where it'd be like, well, um, I, I can't get out of it. I'm working, you know, that that's, that was kind of my thing. And I, um, I, I, I was plagued with regret and it started to, uh, fester in me this feeling of contempt uh, for a job that honestly I was already starting to uh, feel spiteful about. I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to go into my entire work history here because, uh, you know, I, I'm supposed to be talking about the podcast and, and I, I suppose the things that I'm, I'm sharing with you now kind of, um, inform the history of, you know, my broadcasting and, and, uh, and ultimately the podcast and all that stuff. But, uh, the shortest version 
is that I started working for an inventory counting service when I was in high school. Uh, it was my uh, first real job. You know, it's like I think I, I I think I can consider my first paying job would be the time that I was outside the uh, port of subs in a uh, uh, captain suit. I had like the full, uh, you know, Disney style headgear and the costume and everything kind of standing on on the curb, kind of like a you know prototype version of like the sign slingers that that you see now i was like you know maybe 12 um something like that because i remember i barely fit into the suit it was made for an adult um but but yeah i made i made 20 dollars that afternoon uh for for a few hours of of my troubles but no this uh this in inventory gig was you know like my first you know we're we're filling out w4 forms and i9s and it was uh you know it, it was a part-time job and at the time i was just looking to keep gas in my car and to pay for my car insurance you know when i would remember to send in the checks um i i, I wasn't looking for a career Certainly. Um, but I found one regardless. And that job, it, it would go on to define that chapter of my life. You know, I, I referred to chapters um, in life earlier. I that's where I met Lucky. We uh, we met at work. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned my buddy, Andrew, you know, he introduced me to this strange radio station called the buzz, um, all kinds of, you know, other little things that, that I can't think of off the, the top of my head, you know, so many, uh, uh, so many great friends, uh, that, that, you know, I got to know during that time, um, that the job meant a lot to me and refined, a lot of my personality traits, including kind of like my overly developed uh, sense of responsibility and and what I consider to be um, strong work ethic, um, which has has been you know it's it, it's a positive thing, but it's been a detriment. Uh, to me at uh, different times during my life, you know, where I kind of kind of have like this kind of duty above all else attitude at times where, you know, it's it's even taken me now, you know, uh, six years after the the 2012 era, I should stop calling it that. That's that's dumb. Uh, but you know, e even now, I I have to kind of take a step back and say, like, you know what? It's okay to make time for uh, friends and family, and and that that stuff is important, and that the job and the work uh, will uh, will continue. But anyway, I. I, I worked my way up the chain um, until at one point I had my own office. I was uh, I was a an area manager and uh, had a roster of uh, at, at the high point, um, 120 people reporting to me, and I wasn't even 30. Um, uh, but that that was in 2008, and in the wake of the recession, my my office ended up uh, being consolidated with another branch um, under the le leadership of a different area manager uh, that had more experience than me. And on paper, it, it it really did make sense. I mean, I even remember the day that my boss 
shared the news with me. Of course, obviously, I was disappointed. I was upset. But objectively, I'm like, well, if this is the route that we have to take, this one makes the most sense. And, you know, I I had built up a lot of goodwill, um, so I don't want to make it sound like, you know, the company kind of, you know, screwed me over because they they kept me on, of course, but in a different capacity. Um, but, you know, even for the efforts of kind of trying to accommodate me it it was kind of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole sometimes like you know I had you know like uh you know office manager status and and compensation and all that but they were having me do work that was different and it was just never quite the same um after that and that would end up kind of being uh, the beginning of the end um, uh, for me at uh, at that job. And again, um, it just yeah, after after my sister-in-law and father-in-law uh, passed, that was that was it. It's like it's like what what am I doing with my life? Um, anyway, it was uh, it was after I quit that job that I started listening to podcasts. I, I you know, suddenly had all of this time, you know, I got a, you know, like a, like an Android tablet thing and had like, you know, uh, uh, downloaded Stitcher, uh, because again, Kevin Smith was talking about that. That's, you know, one of the main platforms that they host on. Dude, I, I am so easily influenced by the people that I look up to, you know, like if, uh, <laughs> Anyway, I uh, um, so yeah, so I'm just like you know getting hard and heavy into uh, podcasts uh, uh, again, like the Kevin Smith stuff. That was really kind of my gateway, you know, Hollywood Babylon, Smodcast, and this brand new show he had started called Fat Man on Batman. And if um, if you haven't listened to those first few episodes, like where he's talking to Paul Dini, uh, uh the interview style shows, do yourself a favor and check it out. Um. They uh they they pitch a version of uh, Muppet Babies Batman kind of kind of Gotham Academy uh that is so much better than what Gotham would end up becoming the uh the TV show Gotham, um and you know listening to that I I still think that Warner Brothers and Fox TV kind of owe those guys a check or something for basically pitching uh the premise of uh that show there's there's a whole lot there that uh that Kevin Smith and Paul Dini talked about but um during that same time I started listening to uh BJ Shea's Geek Nation uh that's a uh podcast that BJ Shea of uh you know KSW uh, I had mentioned earlier um he, he I, I remember as I was still listening to KISW on the radio at the time and he would talk about like this Geek Nation podcast. And again, ooh, podcast, exotic, sexy, something I'm I'm you know don't have access to. Um so I I I I got into that show hard, like as hard as I did when BJ started on the buzz back in like the late nineties, it kind of, it kind of hit me that hard. Like, you know, I, you know, I was introduced to like, you know, Brandon Jerwa and Mark Ronner and, you know, some of the other uh, hosts that, that really kind of grabbed my attention in terms of uh, what, what you could do and talk about in a podcast. 
And um, uh, not for nothing, but, but I, I still think that uh, KSW kind of still has the best model for what um, extra uh, podcasts uh, coming out of a commercial radio station um, uh, kind of should sound like. You know, it's like every, you know, pretty much every. Uh, a side person or obscure personality, you know, we're talking like, you know, like, you know, board operators and promotions people and all that, all, all the various shows each had their own podcast. And I'll talk about another one, uh, one such show in, in just a minute uh, that was also uh, ended up being a huge influence on me. But but the Geek Nation show uh, kind of became what I would most closely associate with with what quote unquote being a podcast is, um, you know, it was a pro sounding radio show, uh, that you can only hear on the internet or, you know, I mean, going deeper into topics that you really would never fly, uh, during a drive time morning radio show. And it was a great format too. They, they, you know, they would put out a daily show that would be approximately a half hour. So basically it just became part of my routine. Like I would, you know, be, uh, you know, getting ready, brushing my teeth and all that stuff. And I would just listen to whatever the latest Geek Nation episode was. And, and yeah, so it just, it just kind of became kind of like a, um, Hard, hardwired type of thing. Um, around the same time, I was really getting into Twitter and interacting with the KISW uh, radio show uh, during my morning walks. Now, again, at, at, at this point in my life, um, I've left my job. It's the only job I've ever known. Um, so um, I... I, uh, I I, I can't dwell on it too much, um, but that was really kind of a hard time in my life because, like, you know, uh, we had made this bold decision for me to uh, leave my job, but really didn't have very much of a solid plan of what I was going to do next. And what I found is that I didn't I didn't take to. Uh, not having the rigorous schedule of my job uh, very well. Like, um, yeah, I, 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 I just had a really hard time um, because, like, you know, so much of, you know, what I thought was my identity was kind of uh, adhered to this job and that work and that sense of responsibility. And suddenly to have that all gone uh, was not something I was uh, prepared for. So as as Lucky was kind of trying to help me through this process, you know, I you know as I'm you know uh, polishing my resume and looking for jobs and and all of that, of course. Um, but she uh, suggested I start going for walks in the morning, and th- this is probably like one of like the the saddest kind of most depressing things I'm going to share but um t- to give myself a reason to get out of bed because like I I hit like a funk at some point where I would sleep in late um and my attitude would be really shitty because I'm like why bother getting up I I got I got no reason to I'm not doing anything today uh there there you know nobody needs me I I don't you know it it, it as I said, uh, 
Um, but I started walking in the mornings and I, I would I would listen to KSW on my headphones. And um yeah, which was kind of cool because it helped me reconnect with something that I was into. I wasn't commuting anymore, but just listening to uh, BJ show in the morning kind of, you know, kind of kind of re-solidified a, um, a couple things for me. Uh, but that's that's um, when I got to know Hot Kyle. Um, Hot Kyle Maxwell was uh, the uh, social media guy, I think, at the time for the BJ Shea Morning Experience. So he uh, he was the person that would respond on Twitter and interact with us fans. And it was kind of neat because like uh, for a time we had actually kind of built ourselves a little bit of a community on Twitter, kind of like this whole side community thing where it's like, you know, it's like, you know, me and uh, AJ and Mary Jane and Casey V and, you know, a hand, handful of other folks. Um, but that that was like the only place that we knew each other was from interacting with each other on Twitter and kind of hot Kyle being kind of the glue that kind of kind of uh, held us together. Um, it would be, oh, gosh, I would say at least a year or more of this type of interaction before we we all actually met uh um IRL I guess but no we uh, it, there there was a listener party at a Jazz Bones in Tacoma and yeah it was it was really cool because there was about maybe a dozen or so of us that only knew each other from Twitter and it was just it, it was it was a really cool um experience um and it was pretty great uh, uh, for uh, for the time. Uh, Kyle um, also hosted his own KISW podcast. It was a show called The Pants Party. And uh, he would often read some of these tweets. Um, he would give us shout outs. And there was a voicemail number that we could call into. And, you know, really made us feel like we were a part of that show because... We uh, we really were. And oh man, I, you know, I'm repeating myself a lot, but it was during that time when I had like this block of time is really when I I became what, you know, in radio terms, we would call an active listener. Um, less than one percent of a uh, audience, whether it's, you know, radio podcasts or whatever, uh, will ever really interact with a show that they love. Like, you know, you'll have somebody that will listen to uh, something for like 20 years, but they will never uh, like call in and request a song or play a contest or interact on social media. Uh, but they're out there and they're still voracious fans. An active listener is the person that does participate. And what I found is because now I had this time, uh, this uh, it was you know kind of like the the intersection of time and opportunity, and quite frankly a little bit of obsession. You know, it's like I would you know really. Um, you know, since like these shows were coming out so frequently and I had time to listen to them, I really, you know, got into identifying with uh, with the folks and things like that. Um, uh, you know, so I I'm leaving 
uh, frequent voicemails for uh, BJ Shea's Geek Nation, you know, talking about comic books or uh, movie reviews, things like that. Um, and actually, yeah, speaking of comics, at one point I was even writing reviews uh, for their for their website. Uh, they, they were launching a website. They wanted content. And I was like, hey. You know what? I here's something I can contribute. Um, you know, I called it "What's in My Bag," and I talked talked about comic books for a while. And, you know, it it's something I did for a while, and I was you know incredibly uh, grateful and and uh, happy that they put my stuff up, and you know, it gave me it gave me a real charge, and I think that was kind of like the 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 first. Um, uh, first inclinations of, you know, kind of like that percolating motivation of, wait a minute, maybe I can do this kind of content myself. Because again, like, like I shared with you, uh, uh, way earlier, it was never really my dream to be on the radio or to be a radio personality. Uh, but it's really kind of during this era where they're, um, you know, it's it's the silliest thing. But even now to this day, I get a kick like like actual like, you know, like almost like an adrenaline jolt. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but like, you know, I get like a charged feeling when I hear somebody else refer to me or like, you know, like uh, mention my name or something that I've done on on their um, on their show. So like, you know, it, I'd be listening to Geek Nation and they'd be like, hey, we got another voicemail from Mike Seibert. And, you know, I would, you know, just kind of like, you know, I get that that little bit of uh, static charged. And and quite frankly, I, I was I was hooked. I, I was hooked on on that sensation. It was like it was like so much crack for me. Um, and and at one point, I, I think I was participating with just about every KISW uh, podcast, as well as like another uh, Smodco show called uh, Soundbite Nation uh, uh, with uh, some guys. You know, it's like they, they would ask for suggestions of topics and, you know, I would interact with them on Twitter. And it was it, it was it was a really cool time um, that fall. Um, it was uh, uh, fall of 2013. That was when I enrolled in at uh, Green River College, uh, registered, uh, signed up for the IT program. Um, initially, basically just looking to uh, sharpen up my skills because, you know, I, um, you know, when I when I was uh, doing the inventory work, you know, we were working with outdated equipment, old computers, things like that. So that that was kind of like uh, my background. I wasn't really up on the most current stuff. And, you know, after, um, you know, doing like some like, you know, career counseling and things like that, we did that. That's just that's just kind of where it landed was it seemed like IT would be a good fit for me because, you know, I had kind of a, you know, knack for technology and wanted to, you know, help people and deal with people and all that other uh, uh, neat stuff. So I, I enrolled in the IT program and, and did quite well there. 
um, I, I'm proud of my time at, at Green River um, uh, doing the IT classes because I was never a really good student in school. I, I got through high school on the skin of my teeth, and it's, it's a interesting experience of uh, being able to go back to school as an adult with an adult work ethic and I basically treated it like my job. And again, I, I did I did very well. It was very stressful and difficult at times, but on on the all it was it was um overwhelmingly positive. And even as I was taking classes, I, I still had uh the same kind of uh, time and opportunities to be interactive with uh, with these podcasts. Like I, you know, I, I at that point I was almost like a a quote unquote featured character on uh, on Hot Kyle's The Pants Party. Uh, you know, I would be Future Mike, and I I would call in because like I I would uh, I, again I was so deep and obsessed with all of these shows that I figured out their recording schedule, and like I would I would pick on them for uh, having so much of a gap between when they recorded and when they posted. So that that was my shtick. I would joke that I was like from the future and had like all this valuable intel based upon things that I mean it was, it was so silly. But uh, but again, it it kind of got me that jolt where I'm like you know at one point one of the uh, you know I was interacting with folks as if I was a part of the show, like, you know, other listeners would ask me questions as if I knew something like, uh, you know, I'm like an insider part of the, and I wasn't, I was just, I was just an active listener and a fan that, you know, was maybe given a little too much rope. Um, and it was great fun, but it was, um, it was, it was when I went up to the KISW studios and actually recorded uh, with uh, with BJ Shea's Geek Nation. We uh, uh, we talked about uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Uh, that that I really got my first taste of actual recording on real radio equipment. I mean, I mean, you know, we're we're using RE twenties. We're wearing Sony headphones, um, all of that, and. Uh, and again, that, that was really kind of my first, uh, uh, taste of it. And I think after that, there, there was kind of no going back. So, and, and again, it just emboldened me to continue to, you know, be an active listener and kind of, kind of, um, uh, cram myself into, uh, the shows, which, you know, reflecting on it now, it, it comes across as maybe a little stalkery. Um, uh, because really, I mean, I, I was so much of a voracious fan, um, that, yeah, I just, you know, I, I wouldn't leave these poor bastards alone. And since they were, you know, kind and polite, and I would like to think were, you know, genuinely interested in my content, they would, you know, you know, totally indulged and just, uh, hey, we got another voicemail from Mike. But yeah, I mean, I mean, even to the fact where um, Hot Kyle is actually the first 
person I ever interviewed. Um, I it was for um, had again had nothing to do with radio. It was for my interpersonal communications class. They were like, okay, well, you need to sit down and interview somebody. And basically, I I figured out how to record on my phone, and you know, invited him out to Red Robin, and we we sat and chilled, and I you know I had all these interview questions prepared, uh, some of which are questions that I still use even now as I do interviews with bands, you know, some, some, uh, three years later. Um, it, it's just kind of interesting, but yeah, so I, you know, we sat down for like, like about a half hour or so. And, and, uh, and, so all of this feels like kind of like an escalation that I'm kind of like, you know, inching, uh, uh, closer and, and closer. Um, I, I now I've I've told this story a million times, but I have to kind of I have to tell it again because it's kind of you know chronological and in sequence. Um, in my last quarter of classes at Green River, I came out of one of my uh, classrooms, saw a bulletin board, and on this bulletin board had had uh, um, a flyer be on the radio. Uh, KGRG at Green River College and it had a you know picture of um, a, you know like a, a, a guy and a gal they were talking into a microphone kind of looking like they're playing with uh, control boards and you know there there's like a picture of a mixing board and of a control board um, stuff at this point since I had been up to the the KSW studio and recorded with with Geek Nation I knew what this equipment looked like I was like Hey, that's that's a thing. And I suddenly became very interested in very, uh, um, you know, I, I, you know, went home and talked to Lucky. We discussed it. And basically what it was is that um, it, you know, the idea was already there. Uh, for me to uh, perhaps take a class over the summer while I'm looking for a job with my uh, soon-to-be uh, freshly minted IT degree. I, you know, I, I finished up a a uh, um, two-year associate's degree, and you know, you know, once I graduated, it was you know kind of time to to put it to work and and get a job. Um, I, I was originally going to take a creative writing class. It was it was something I had been thinking about even when I was taking uh, uh, my IT classes, you know, just as like an elective or, or something. But uh, time and opportunity uh, just never really presented itself. Um, so that's what I was going to do. But that class either uh, wasn't available or wasn't being offered during summer or it was full. I don't remember what, but but then I remembered uh, this uh, uh, radio class that I that I had seen uh, the flyer for, and after getting a little bit of uh, information, uh, that really was kind of the beginning of my time at KGRG. I took two classes that summer. Uh, one was Journalism 120 with uh, with Charlie Harger. It was a digital radio where um, I learned the ropes of uh, doing uh, voice tracking for KGRG 1, a classic alternative, uh, as well as kind of my first uh, entree into podcasting. Um, but at the same time, I was also 
also taking Journalism 110, uh, which was a, a radio lab and where I was learning how to be live on uh, 89.9 KGRG-FM uh, playing Today's Rock. And um, I, I'm, I'm going to run through uh, this uh, uh, relatively quickly because I, I think a lot of it I, I've talked about before. There really isn't a whole lot of uh, new material that that I've shared. I mean, I mean, really, what what kind of happened was with uh, the on air content that I was doing when I was on KGRG, a lot of it just came from the experiences I was having in class. You know, it's like, you know, we'd learn about the history of broadcasting and radio, and I would talk about that um, on the air. Um, But basically it was, you know, like a a three-month class, you know, during during summer session. Uh, So I'm doing training. Uh, uh, We're also assigned a new shift, uh, where where we're supposed to you know gather aggregate and write our own news, um, but I was also uh, I one of the one of the things that part of the uh, KGRG radio program is that uh, you know th- there are certain criteria you need to do uh, for for four to get a to get a good grade, and one of those criteria was uh, or. or uh, not criteria, but like th- there's there's a lot of like either ors. You can do this, or you could do that, or you could do the other thing uh, to to satisfy one of the requirements. And and one of those uh, tiers was being an intern on a specialty show. Now I've talked about specialty shows a lot uh, previously, so I uh, basically uh, the the showrunners. Uh, provide and curate specialty programming. So um, uh, the the show that I interned for, uh, for credit for class, was a post-rock show. And, um, you know, if I start talking about post-rock too much, uh, I'm probably going to offend a lot of people because even now I still don't know a whole heck of a lot about it, but I just know that it's incredibly sad. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's melodic rock, it's music, Music you can feel. It's a lot of um, indie rock. It's emo jams. You know, it's it's again, it it's it it it's sad people music. But I uh, I got involved with this uh, post rock show because, well, quite frankly, it was the show that was running on Thursday, which happened to be a class day, which also happened to be uh, the day that I had my afternoon newscast. Um, and really I just kind of made like an all day thing of it and just stayed there all ding dong day, uh, on Thursdays at the radio station. And it was a great experience. I, you know, uh, uh, connected really well with the hosts and despite, you know, my age and lack of musical fluency, I, um, I, I felt, I felt very welcomed as a, uh, as a part of the show. You know, my, my primary function was to, you know, like um, uh, occasionally, uh, gather music for some of the other hosts. Um, and, uh, and I would, I, I would be in charge of, 
uh, maintaining the live playlist, uh, which uh, which they would share for their uh, listeners. And, you know, I, I thought that was kind of cool, as well as doing some uh, social media stuff, interacting with the audience and um, a lot of stuff that's really kind of one to one with what a lot of folks kind of starting in uh, pro commercial radio kind of kind of end up doing. So that was uh, um, so that was really cool. But one of the things that, um, you know, like I. Uh, I, I I get to know people. I, I can make fast friends with people. Um, and uh, I, but I don't always remember everybody from where I know them from. And uh, in in my digital radio class, I, uh, you know, got connected with uh, Corey and Dave and Kat and a few other a uh, few other folks. But Corey also uh, was part of this, uh, of this post-rock show. And it, uh, I don't remember at how long it was. Maybe, maybe it was a couple few weeks. I, I don't remember, but he, uh, uh, out of the blue shared with me that he knew me from, being part of these uh, KSW podcasts, he he recognized me from uh, the voicemails, and he told me a story like you know, way later how like that first day in class he was kind of like looking around at at his friends. It's like I think that's the guy. I think that's the guy from those podcasts. I I recognize his voice. I I recognize him from leaving those voicemails and stuff. And and that was kind of like one of uh, one of those weird things where I'm just like, yeah, it just it never occurred to me that anybody would ever recognize me from any of that uh, any of that uh, uh silly stuff um that, that I was doing, but. Um, it, it was a great summer. Like I was, you know, learning how to do various podcasts, uh, um, you know, there, uh, you know, I, I talked about this with, uh, Don and Dean, uh, for Podscure and like, there were certain assignments for podcasts. You have to do like a, like a storytelling podcast. You have to do like a news story, uh, type of podcast. You have to do like a, a ranking uh, podcast things like that, so it it, it got me to flex a, a bunch of muscles that I really hadn't creatively had the opportunity to uh, work with. But um, in doing so, the, I I came across the story of Hitchbot, the the hitchhiking robot. This happened in you know that that summer. It was traveling across Canada. And it was basically like it was like a social experiment type thing. And the the uh, crux of the story was it did not have a favorable or happy ending. Basically, it traveled to uh, Philadelphia via hitchhiking um, and uh, some some punk kids basically just ended up wrecking it and leaving it off the uh, side of the road. And I grabbed onto this as a new story. And one of the things that. I uh, that you kind of learn in broadcasting, podcasting, news writing, whatever, is how to uh, uh, repurpose and reappropriate material for other purposes. So I I do this uh, uh, Hitchbot story as like part of my news. 
Uh, then I end up doing a uh, podcast about it for class. So I'm kind of kind of sort of double dipping in that, like I'm doing one assignment for one class, another assignment for another class, but using the same material. But the, the reason why I'm telling this story is because um, this was kind of like the first opportunity that I got to really kind of cut loose with some material that resonated with me. Like I, you know, I, I like robots and I just, I just thought it was, I thought it was a really neat story. And my, uh, um, uh, DJ who I, I was the news anchor for, it was his DJ shift and I would come in and do news. Uh, his name was, uh, uh, J club, uh, John, uh, great guy. Uh, but he, uh, he listened to this, this Hitchbot story and he's like, you know what, Mike, can you come back next week, you know, outside of your news and tell me more, uh, tell, tell me more about this, this hitchhiking robot thing. I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated. And in the interim, I do this, this, uh, uh, podcast for Charlie's class. I come back the next week and, uh, J club and I talk about Hitchbot for almost 20 minutes on an uninterrupted air break. And that is near as I can remember, is the first time that I really kind of got into some long form lengthy material. And that was kind of like the beginning of what would uh, really inform kind of the style and format of what Mike After Dark would ultimately uh, become. And as uh, as the summer ended, there's the uh, end of the year uh, uh, KGRG awards banquet and ceremony and ritual thing where, uh, you know, people are, uh, given awards for merit throughout, uh, basically it's throughout the year. Summer quarter is meant to be kind of like the end of the, uh, the academic year. And, um, a couple things now, now granted I had just joined the program in the summer. So this was like a year end celebration that I kind of came in at the tail end. Um, but um, a couple things. Uh, some of the instructors, you know, give out uh, certificates for uh, uh, certificates of achievement, you know, either for academic merit or other um, uh, other merit. And uh, Charlie, you know, my my uh, digital radio instructor and and has has definitely gone on to be uh, one of my broadcasting mentors. Um, he uh, he presented me with a you know certificate of merit for you know the the podcast work that I had done as part of the class, and it just uh, you know get, getting that kind of recognition right off the bat was like wow I'm you know really really kind of interested in this is cool. And then later on in the evening, the uh, you know I mentioned this uh, post rock show that that I was part of as an intern that show went on to win a KGRG specialty show of the year. And, um, so yeah, so I stood up there and held up a plaque with the other hosts that, uh, uh, that were there at that particular, um, awards banquet. And so, yeah, it's just like, I, I was immediately infused with like this huge prideful feeling about KGRG and, a lot of it just kind of, I don't know, it gave me that that um, that odd inspiration that I initially had 
the the feeling reminded me of when I was in high school and was starting to be successful at my you know part time inventory job. Again, I as I had had mentioned a while ago, you know, I I went into that job not looking for a career, but I kind of found one. And this was kind of like the beginning of that same type of feeling. And I never really connected those dots until I kind of sat down and started talking here. But it really is kind of the same thing because that would kind of go on to define where I'm at in life now, both in my career and hobbies and, you know, radio and broadcasting has really kind of uh, come to... Uh, define me kind of in the same way that that inventory job did um, all uh, all of those years ago. But um, basically one, one of the uh, requirements to uh, earn all of the credits for the class is, you know, you would have to take on a uh, a solo DJ shift. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it was you know things happen for a reason and you know i i'm not always the the most spiritual or superstitious person but i do i do have a belief that things happen for a reason um and uh, I, I was originally going to take a shift on a Saturday night uh, because, you know, I was looking on the, the big white scheduling board with all the all the grid boxes in there with all the shifts. And um, I saw a spot on Saturday that I kind of liked. Um, but there was a uh, concert uh, the following week after after the quarter ended and after the awards uh, banquet uh, for a uh, concert called Van Fest. It was a, a, a festival in in, in uh, Maple Valley. In fact, it's still happening. In fact, uh, um, I want to say as of this recording, I think it's happening next weekend, um, uh, middle of August, uh, maybe end of August. I'd, I'd have to look. I don't remember. But uh, but anyway, uh, um, we were going to go as members of this uh, post-rock show. Um and uh, oh man, I, I actually have to tell my VanFest story uh, very quickly. Uh, that was the first time that I uh, did a stage announcement and brought on a band. I, I got up there. The band was called uh, Chung Antique. They, uh, um, you know, got a, a, a instrumental band. And I remember I get the microphone and I'm saying, "Hey, you know, hey VanFest, how's it going? Hey, I'm a uh, you know Uncle Mike from uh, from the Post on KGRGFM, and you know, hey, you having a great time out there." And Four people are like, whoa. I'm like, oh, yeah, the emo kids. I forgot. <laughs> but I'm like, hey, you know, without any further ado, please give it up for uh, Chung and Teak. And then they, you know, they started playing after I introduced them. And, and it was it was rad. Um, but anyway, I uh, I didn't want to take a shift that would interfere with that, uh, with me being able to go to VanFest. So I looked on the schedule and I saw that there was a spot. On Monday night, uh, 10 to midnight, and I saw that that spot was open, and I asked. I was like, well, I know that new students are supposed to do, like, overnights and weekends, but I see that this Monday night spot is open. Uh, can I have that? And uh, the the program director was like, sure, yeah, man, whatever. Um, so, yeah, my, uh, my very first uh, uh, DJ shift, completely by myself without... Uh, 
<laughs> I was going to say adult supervision, but I was kind of twice the age of uh, uh, most of the the other students and and, uh, you know, the uh, my trainer as well. Uh, but anyway, my first shift by myself was Monday night, August 10th, uh, 2015. And I never really stopped doing that shift until almost two years later uh, when I ended up uh, picking up more hours at my uh, radio job. Uh, but but I, I, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Um, you know, basically my show started. I was, you know, playing requests, uh, interacting with the audience a little bit, um, and, and life was good. Uh, but... As as I went, as I got more and more confident with each week, uh, you know, the the show would become a little more elaborate. Like uh, my uh, show became popular in that, like I would get, you know, frequent requests, and and uh, I started getting really uh really busy and was having a hard time uh, catching up, and I I needed some help. Um, I, uh, I met Mickey, uh, fall quarter. Um, so I started in summer. She started in the fall and she, uh, uh so she joined the program, uh, took uh, journalism 110 and joined me on my show as an intern after seeing a tweet I put out. Uh, This was on a Tuesday morning. I was going for a walk. It was after an especially, um, um, I, I remember that, um, that previous Monday night was especially busy, and I had just tweeted out there. I'm like, gosh, you know, if if my show keeps getting, you know, this uh this busy, I'm gonna need an intern. And she tweeted at me and said, ooh 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 me me me, or or and, you know, just kind of trying to trying to get my attention. And when I when I sent out that tweet, I didn't realize that I was actually looking. Uh, for an intern, because, you know, at that time I had I had started calling my show Mike After Dark and that just came from, uh, you know, uh, there there was um, in my podcasting class. Uh, no, I'm telling the story all all kinds of sideways. OK, so in my podcasting class. Uh, there was a, a, a student named uh, Katie Borton, and she was uh, one of the hosts on a show on KGRG FM called Sports and Explosions, where they would you know talk about sports and presumably also explosions. Um, but um, she came up with for her assigned podcast a show called uh, Sports and Explosions colon After Dark, and for some reason I don't know why that grip my imagination so much but she's like you know it's time for sports and explosions after dark and you know that after dark just really kind of kind of stuck with me and um it really it was it was just a podcast of extra stuff that they would do after they would record the live show it was actually really really clever and a and a cool concept but um you know being on at 10 o'clock at night I just, um, yeah, I Mike after dark. Um, but anyway, it was, it wasn't really a show because all my show was, was me talking and playing song requests. Um, and as I had shared with you earlier with my, uh, experience on the post rock show, you know, 
you're supposed to be interning for credit on a specialty show. Mine was not a specialty show. I'm I'm over explaining that. But I I I remember I actually had to go to uh station management and ask and say, well, hey, I'm not a show, but uh Mickey over here seems very interested in helping me. I think I would like to take on an apprentice and I think I can show her a bunch of stuff. Is this okay? Which in retrospect I, I think is really kind of silly because I just uh, um, I don't know. I'm a sucker for protocol and rules and and things like that. But um, uh, Mickey was great. She was uh, she was full of sass and moxie. Um, and I was, you know, I, uh, I, th- there was about a 20 year age gap uh, between us, and we uh, we both mutually thought that that was really cool because you know she would come from a younger person's perspective I would come from an older person's perspective and it was really kind of funny because uh, um, neither one of us because of our ages she was still in high school at the time she was a running start student um, neither one of us really kind of felt totally and completely in place with kind of the the 20 something year olds that were predominantly as part of the students and staff at uh, KGRG at the time so we so we felt like uh both together and separately or, or separately and together you know we we felt like we had kind of like a unique voice and even now to this day one of my very favorite shows that I've ever done in in three years of uh, doing this, um, her first episode with me is still one of my favorite shows because basically she just she just hit the ground running, and you know uh, you know she's she's sharing music that I'm not familiar with. And just uh, just the 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 um, the rapport that we had was just just immediate and and palpable and crackling and and it was it was a lot of fun and we did uh, two years of uh, almost two years of having fun on the radio together and um, our basically our show mantra was you know basically we we take your late night requests and give you a little something extra and uh, it was all about listener interaction playing song requests and uh, basically getting back to one of the things that I felt was the most important to me is calling out people that interacted with us so people could hear their name on the air to, you know, hear the host talk about them on the radio, because that that takes me all the way back to the stuff I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, there, there's something there's just something magical about um, hearing your name on the air and. Uh, I, I confess that even now, um, I, I interact with a lot of podcasts, you know, folks that I would consider to be peers and folks that I would consider to be contemporaries. And when they say, Hey, you know, we, we, uh, we got an email from Mike Seibert or, you know, our, uh, you know, our good friend, Mike, or, you know, whatever, you know, Mike, this, Mike, that I still kind of get that sensation I had, um, when I was a kid and, you know, would, you know, interact with the DJs, uh, that, that, that same, 
uh, a sensation I felt when I was interacting with the uh, BJ Geek Nation people or Hot Kyle and the and the Pants Party people. You know, it was just, you know, just th- this really this really cool um, uh, sensation. So I, I shared with Mickey that that was one of the things that I wanted to give and to, and to present to our audience. And, and she was, she was all over that. And we, uh, we had a lot of fun, um, ar- around the same time is when I joined the buzz morning show. Now I talked, um, about some of these players earlier, you know, um, uh, Corey and and Cat uh, uh, Catherine uh, Thursday, um, basically they're all the same person. I sound like sounded like that was uh, commas in there, but uh, but Dave and Corbin, and they basically. I mean, I I don't want to get into the history of the the Buzz Morning Show because it's not necessarily my story to tell. But basically, they they were going to do a public affairs show together and uh, couldn't keep straight faces and basically decided to found a morning show instead. And at that point, I was uh, uh, pretty close with all these folks. And I, I don't remember exactly how all the conversations went, but basically it, it was, uh, um, hey, would you like to be a part of this? And I did, but I didn't want to necessarily be fully committal. They they did it three days a week, uh, Wednesday through Friday. And I thought, okay, how about I come in on Friday, uh, Friday only, and, you know, I have a show segment, uh, which uh, which would uh, go on to become Get Off My Lawn with Old Man Mike, where basically I would I would uh, play curmudgeon and and come up with things uh, that that irritated me in the news. And uh, and and it was great fun. Um, basically, what it ended up being, though, because I I'm I'm a bit of a, a Mike hog, um, uh, especially when I'm talking with friends. I mean, you listen to uh, the podcast that I do with Killing Spree. You listen to even now a lot of my interviews. There's a there's a lot of me in there, and I uh, I do like to talk and I do like to uh, uh, hear myself. But basically, I would kind of come in and kind of kind of sort of dominate the show um you know I, I you know obviously uh the hosts had their own segments and all that but yeah it seemed like more and more um i was almost as much on this uh these friday episodes of the buzz as i was my own show on uh on monday night which was also building steam and uh progressing as well um, and really, that's kind of when I started uh, getting connected with uh, with Potter and family and using that in uh, uh, for my podcast and getting connected with uh, with Chris Kim and the Mr. BS show and 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 later on still uh, the Robin Slim show. You know, I was kind of trying to establish myself as a, you know, quote unquote podcaster as well as doing uh, live radio. And that's a that's that's kind of the story that I meant to tell uh, Don and Dean on the on my interview uh, for Podskewer, uh, but totally lost my my train of thought on that. It was kind of funny because like I I told them that you know I kind of needed to set it up a little bit, and then I set it up and forgot what I was talking about. This is what I was referring to, in that I. Um, Basically, I I set up a SoundCloud account as part of my coursework 
for uh, digital radio and podcasting at Journalism 120. Um, so I already had it set up. I was already uh, posting the audio in my podcast episodes. Uh, but I was also recording my live KGRG shows. But it wasn't until like November uh, before I started uh, uh, posting those old audios and I kind of like did some uh, raps around it and called it a uh, Mike After Dark Revisited uh, because, you know, it, from my perspective, the show had developed and changed and kind of became a show. So I thought it would be kind of fun to have, you know, maybe some like behind the scenes supplemental type stuff. It's like, here's the show you like with Mike and Mickey. Uh, but this was Mike a couple months ago when he was just a baby DJ, just kind of fumbling, tumbling around trying to figure himself out. Um, that's kind of how I, I accidentally became a, uh, podcaster in that I just, I, I kept the feed alive by recording and posting, uh, the new episodes. And I think it wasn't even until, oh man, probably even like the following February, uh, this, this would have been February of 2016, I believe, um, you know, like right around the time um, Amanda joined the show and we started um, officially calling the show Mike and Mickey After Dark. Um, and I, it was so funny because I remember we had to, you know, like fill out an application to apply to become a quote unquote specialty show because, um, again, as as I keep saying, and I, I'm getting way lost in the minutiae, I got to figure out a way to kind of kind of dovetail my way out of this. But basically, we we didn't necessarily specialize in anything in the way that, say, Killing Spree's show uh, Late Night Death was a heavy metal show where he would curate his own playlist. Um, or it wasn't like the Buzz Morning Show where... You know, it, it's a morning zoo style radio show, you know, with, with college kids talking about college kids stuff and playing college kid music. Or, you know, it wasn't like uh, dead air uh, hardcore radio where, uh, again, it's, you know, it's a curated playlist of the best hardcore music or or even the post where it's post rock or the block where it's hip hop. Uh, um, we, we didn't have any of that. And basically what made us specialty, quote unquote, was our personalities, the dynamic between Mickey and myself. And at that point, we had developed a couple games like, you know, she had come up with Is It Real or Is It Fake, um, where she, you know, would come up with, um, you know, creative music genres as well as some real and obscure ones uh, to try to stump me. Um, I came up with a segment called uh, Today in Geek History, where, you know, I would... You know, it's it's a today in history segment, but it was all pop culture stuff, which, again, would kind of uh, lay the groundwork for a lot of content that that I do even now. Um, but basically, that's that's kind of what what our specialty was. And, you know, I, I we would we would play uh 
music from local bands that we would start to uh, connect with that was uh, maybe around the same time that uh, we were kind of really kind of trying to push nerd music um, into the KGRG lexicon. Like, uh, you know, like we were playing uh, Kirby Crackle and MC Lars. And yeah, I mean, there was a time that, you know, MC Lars came to town. Um, We, in cooperation with, uh, um, you know, Mike and Mickey After Dark and, uh, and the Buzz Morning Show, show it was you know kgrg presents you know mc lars and shubzilla and and uh um and kirby crackle and it was it was it was a really fun show it was uh um still probably one of my favorite shows that that i that i attended in the uh in the kgrg era but um basically what was happening is the show uh continued to expand and it got increasingly more elaborate. Now we have segments and we're bringing on interns. And um, the the expansion, I think, is what kind of, uh, amongst several other things, that's what kind of um, caused the Mike and Mickey After Dark era to end. Uh, because I... As I was saying, I, I just I just kept wanting to expand the scope, more guests, more bands, more segments, more fun, uh, because we were always having fun. Um, but what I discovered accidentally and way later, way later than I should have, is that as we were enjoying our success, I was becoming more and more like uh uh you know kind of kind of like a diva actually um not in that i was being that i had like unreasonable uh high maintenance demands well actually no that's exactly what it was where i i i was trying to tread lightly in that i was becoming more and more like a show host that i had worked with and and I'm being dodgy because you know, like I'll, I, you've heard me drop so many names, a lot of which you don't know, you won't know, won't ever know, or whatever, and that's fine. Um, but when speaking negatively, I don't want to throw somebody under the bus. So I'm sure folks that are listening that know who I'm talking about know who I'm talking about. So I don't need to mention that person by name. But I I found myself becoming more and more like that show host. And I remember being so resentful of that person at the time that I was working with them because they were so um, fixated on the details and, and so focused on having the show be tight and bright and the best as possible. Like when we would blow transitions, I, I remember this, that this really imprinted on me um, while I was interning. And like, I forget what he did, but he did something where, where um, he messed up a transition, something where it was like super nitpicky stuff. And I remember this dude had a fit, like a, a Kylo Ren, Esque fit where like there was a table next to the control board and he literally like threw everything off the table in like a fit of rage. And I knew from that moment forward that that was the kind of broadcaster I did not want to be. So this guy that, you know, like I've said um, in mixed company that I do not like, 
um, that they're not my favorite person, um, ended up being profoundly influential on me as a broadcaster. Um, you know, I, I joke sometimes that I like to lead by example and that that example is sometimes what not to do. And that's exactly the the impression um, uh, this this host left on me because, um, you know, uh, uh, the show was uh, the shows that he constructed were always very well put together. Uh, the prep was top notch and it was it was pro level. And that was the standard that he expected of um, those around him, but also of himself. And that when that standard wasn't met, yeah, he would just, he would just go off and get so upset. And one day um, there, there was a time that uh, the, the, the Mike and Mickey crew, uh, we were having a lot of great fun. And it's so funny because it's, I, uh, I I will never forget the, this particular broadcasting day because it was the starkest of contrasts in like, you know, we were having fun um, and having a really great time prior to the show. But what had happened was as we were having fun, it caused us to be late. We started the show late and I was inconsolably upset about this and in the fallout of that, I realized that I was becoming that broadcaster that I swore that I would never be. And it uh, it really messed me up uh, for a hot minute. So I um, uh, had had a conversation with Mickey. We we had a meeting. I you know, we we set it up ahead of time and we we talked and I, you know, shared a whole lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that was going on with me. Um, at, at the same time, she was having a lot of uh, uh, challenges. I, I didn't feel like her, her head and her heart were in it. And uh, the, the net result of it was is we, we, uh, we radio broke up. And it's it was I mean, we we parted as friends. We parted as great friends, actually. Uh, but it, it was one of those things where it's almost like, you know, you're a couple and you go into, you know, you're going to have like that that uh, um, uh, that breakup lunch or that breakup dinner, except that neither of us intended it to to be that. But organically, as the conversation went, um you know, we, we, we were just, um, you know, just kind of drifting apart as, as show hosts. It's like, you know, we, we had, um, you know, different show interests, um, or no, we had kind of like different academic interests and, you know, there, there was there, I will still say that there was never any overt friction, but what we both discovered is that there was some stuff kind of underneath the surface that neither of us really got around to talking about. And what we really needed was some uh, time away. Um, and I made a decision at that. I mean, so so the decision was that... Um, Oh, and, and incidentally, this was on a show night. This was on a Monday night. This was maybe 
three, four, five hours before showtime. I was like, you know, before tonight's show, we need to talk. And I should have realized that the tone of saying we need to talk is never a positive one. It didn't even occur to me to think of it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, um, I, I, sorry, I'm just, I'm reflecting now and I just, I'm taken back to that moment where it's like, are you radio breaking up with me? Are we radio breaking up? And yeah, no, I just, uh, it, it hit me like a, like a, like a ton of bricks. And we had decided not to do a show. Um, we had decided that stepping away and maybe taking a break was a good idea. And we left, you know, we parted ways. We left. She went home. She had a, she had a lot of stuff on her mind and a lot of stuff that she had to handle. Um, and I went home and I talked to Lucky. And I was like, well, you know, the, the show might be over. Um, but I, I told Lucky, I was like, but even though she doesn't want to do a show right now, I still want to do a show. In fact, actually, for that particular week, I had a lot of material that I had already prepared. Like I had just gone to a concert and oh, it was it was MC Lars and Megaran, actually, um, that, uh, you know, like I had just gotten a, uh, their new CD and I wanted to play some music from it. And I, I, I told Lucky, I'm like, well, I want to do a show. Um, well, it, yeah. And she had asked me point blank, what do you want to do? And I told her I want to do a show. And she's like, well, do that then go do a show. Well, what about Mickey? Don't worry about it. Just, you know, you want to do a show, go do a show, figure it out from there. And I, so I left, I, I went back to the radio station, fully prepared to do this show by myself. And I, I run into Andrea, uh, uh, one of, uh, uh, one of my good friends. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't even know why I told her this, but I just shared with her the story. I'm like, yeah, no, uh, uh, Mickey and I radio broke up and, but I'm on my way to, uh, to do a show. And she's like, okay, well, good luck. And I, I did that show and then I did another and then I did another, you know, uh, uh, by myself. And, um, Part of my motivation, and it seems silly now, uh, part of my motivation was that up to that point, I had, uh, there had been a show on KGRG on Monday night consecutively uh, for almost two years at that point, unbroken. And basically what, what it was really cool uh, in the Mike and Mickey days, because basically like if I took a vacation um, or had, you know, uh, wasn't able to do the show or whatever, she would do it. If she wasn't there, I would do the show. And, and we we would call them guest paloozas And we would, uh, you know, that that's when we would uh, bring in extra guests and friends. And just basically it was all about having fun on the radio. And those shows are what would ultimately go on to become uh, The Monday Project. And... That um, uh, lucky helped me figure out the name of that. I had I had gone to her and said, um, you know, I need a new name. You know, it's an opportunity to rebrand, kind of kind of start clean. Um, and 
I, I had wanted something that that was three words. You know, I just I just like the cadence of three word uh, shows. And, you know, we we got talking about what the nature of the show was, that it, that I wanted something that didn't have my name on it, you know, to kind of move out of the shadow of Mike After Dark um, and really kind of that it was a ongoing project that was kind of like a, a never fully realized um, uh, type of thing. And so that that's kind of where where the Monday project came from, because, you know, it's it would it would always be on Monday night and that, you know, it would be kind of, you know, an uncompleted task. It would be it would be a project. And, you know, and and later on, uh, as uh, um, after that rebranding, you know, uh, new interns would join the cast like Elijah and Desmond, who would who would uh, later go on to host the Monday Project themselves after after I left. And uh, not long after that, I uh, that that following spring, I finished up my my broadcasting degree and it, it. the Monday Project era, while it was relatively short, um, is probably my favorite era of uh, of my broadcasting because it um, it was a combination of the ambitiousness and the elaborate uh, production that. Um, that I was kind of striving for kind of at the tail end of the uh, the Mike and Mickey After Dark era, but also with a flexibility and casual nature that I had to learn and to teach myself. Because, again, like I like I said, um, at the end of the Mike and Mickey era, you know, I I had I was becoming increasingly inflexible more rigid and you know it, it was never my ambition to make the show uh fully realized and to like you know like sell it and develop it and to and to take it elsewhere which i you know i would learn much later that that was part of the aspiration of um uh, other folks that i had worked with that that's why they were so wound tight and wanted the show to be at pro level quality at all times because basically they were building an audition they were building a resume to take the show and sell it to a commercial station um and that may still happen and if that does happen i i will uh you know i'll tip my cap and give a a uh um a warm smile and a and a head nod but uh but until then uh, but that that was something I learned that I never wanted. My my goal in any show I ever did was to have fun on the radio. And in fact, even now in my commercial job, I I work with a lot of customers that actually pay uh, for radio time and to be on the air. They're kind of like live infomercials uh, type thing. But basically, these are folks that aren't professional radio people so it's my job to help them uh sound good and be be okay on the radio and the thing that i tell these uh uh these paid show hosts or these paid shows 
is, you know, lesson number one is have fun. If you're not having fun on the radio, you're doing it wrong. And that's a philosophy that, that, you know, I learned, I mean, that, that I co-opted early on, but at the beginning, at the end of the Mike and Mickey era and the beginning of the Monday Project era, um, I was kind of reboldened in that. So the 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 Monday Project era is my favorite because we um, were networking with bands. We had you know several uh, live sets come up. We would have bands come up and perform live in studio and broadcast it over the air, uh, as well as doing all like these crazy elaborate interviews. Um, and you know it was a tight show, and I learned scheduling, and I took like uh, um, certain aspects that I was learning in my pro job at that point and kind of brought it back to KGRG to make it sound like where it it sounds like a pro radio show, but again, with kind of still that, that style and flexibility and casual nature, um, with, with an emphasis on fun. I mean, like, you know, we would still, you know, talk for 38 minutes and kind of get into tangent filled ramble fests, uh, live on the radio that, you know, most would consider to be terrible radio. Um, but, um, th- there, there was always something about it that clicked and resonated with audiences, uh, which, uh, which brings me to episode 100. Now, episode 100 is actually a better retrospective on the history of, uh, the KGRG era. I think even now that I'm talking to, cause I'm, you know, I'm, you know, jumping over wide swaths and, and, uh, um, a lot of our interns and guest co-hosts and a lot of that aren't quite getting their due here. Um, unfortunately go back and listen to episode 100. It's uh it's really good. Um, but basically, yeah, we talk about, you know, origins of segments and milestones and, and why I wanted to talk about that because it, it, um, it it brought together, uh, kind of the dream cast, uh, per se, not not the Sega system, but um, and it's actually the the banner photo on Mike Seibert Radio Facebook. It's you know, so uh, Mickey came up uh for the episode the first time she and I had uh, uh shared the radio together in almost a year. Um, but also had, uh, you know, Elijah and Desmond, uh, from the Monday project era, as well as, you know, Spencer with fries and the Amanda happening as, as, and some, uh, other, uh, rotating guests that came in as well. Um, that was probably like, I mean, that, that's also in like my top five, uh, favorite shows ever. Um, but, uh, I want to talk about the numbering because, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I, um, uh, I so I I'm I'm a, a comic book fan and there's uh you know Marvel Comics has been doing something you know called like a legacy numbering where basically you'll have like you know they they can relaunch with you know Amazing Spider-Man number one but then after a handful of months they go back to the original numbering like you know Spider-Man number you know eight hundred and ten or whatever so basically I had figured out what the consecutive numbering was because like, I mean, it it wasn't, I don't remember what time, uh, at what point I started numbering episodes, but basically like, you know, Mike after dark suddenly had a numbering system retroactively. Um, Oh, it, it was probably the beginning of the Mike and Mickey after dark era. Once we were officially a specialty show, 
uh, Mike and Mickey After Dark. So it would be like Mike and Mickey After Dark episode number one. Um, and that numbering came through. Well, when I renamed the show The Monday Project, you know, I started over with episode number one. But in the back of my mind, in fact, if you go through those Monday Project episodes, you'll see a number at the bottom. And that's that that Marvel Legacy numbering. And then basically once I got to 100, um, I just called it episode 100. And and I've kept that same consistent numbering sense even now through uh, uh, Mike Seibert Radio. Um, but all, all, all good things come to an end. And, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've uh, jumping around quite a bit, but um, at one point, uh, before I had graduated, before I had uh, completed my broadcasting degree, I was um, in a, in one of uh, Charlie Harger's classes. And I, I can't remember if I was guest lecturing or if I was just hanging out, but I remember he uh, ran into him and he he tells me about this uh, um, opportunity, this job opening at the radio station that he works at, that that he's a reporter for for his uh, for his full time gig. And he tells me about it. And he's like, you know, there's there's this opportunity. And I, I think I think it would be right up your alley. I think it would be a really good fit for you. And I remember just brushing it off being like, okay, sure, Charlie, whatever, you know, that that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll look into it. I'll, I'll see what I can do, which is really kind of code for, I'm not really going to do anything with that. But, um, but then he kind of comes over and like, like a, like an uncle or, uh, you know, a, a, a mentor like figure throws his arm over my shoulder and he's like, you don't understand. I've already given my boss your name and I've told him to expect a, uh, email with your resume, uh, uh, from you. And I was like, Oh, Okay. Um, so I, I went home. I told Lucky, I was like, well, I, uh, I need to, uh, polish up my resume because, um, Charlie has told me about this, this job opportunity and, uh, you know, we got my resume ready. I applied and by the end of the week, um, I had a job interview and it happened, it happened, it happened very rapidly. What, what had happened was they had come to find out they needed somebody yesterday, um, for, uh, uh, for the, for this, uh, part-time board hopping gig. And that's, that's, that's what my job was, you know, uh, uh, running a board at one of, uh, one of the radio stations and, um, you know, I started off working one day a week. You know, like I had mentioned earlier, you know, working with these uh, with these paid advertisers and these non-radio people. And but as I went and kind of established myself, I, you know, increased, uh, got more hours, uh, more responsibilities and really uh, to the point where I first 
had to leave uh, the buzz. I had to leave the buzz morning show because I uh, was running the board uh, during the morning show um, on a on a commercial radio station. And so that that was hard. Uh, But then, you know, several months later, it finally came down to where my boss came to me and said, well, I have I, I, I know that you do a show on KGRG and I know it's something that's important to you, but I have an opening on Monday nights. Um, you know, I, I think you would be a good fit for it. Would you like it? And it became that dilemma of, do I continue to pursue what I'm there for? You know, I mean, to do radio and get paid for it. Um, or do I continue to do radio for fun and for free? And, um, as, as bittersweet as it was, the choice became obvious and, um, you know, and, and, but I, you know what though, I, I was prepared for this because remember the show was called the Monday project. It wasn't called Mike After Dark. It wasn't called Mike and Mickey After Dark. It wasn't called Mike Cybert Radio. You know, it was I I had either consciously or subconsciously kind of had um, succession planning in there. And it wasn't necessarily my intention to pass it along, but um, Desmond and Elijah were really taken to the show and really liking what they did. And I was like, OK, well. You know, it's the the day that we were all waiting for is finally here. Um, uh, I I bequeath to you uh, the keys to the Monday Project. Do with it as you will, and and it's a show that continues even now uh, to this day on KGRG. Um, uh, not too long ago, uh, Desmond uh, celebrated his final show, um, uh, needing to uh, wrap up his his coursework and focusing on on uh, academic stuff. And and I know um, Elijah isn't too far behind uh, because, you know, here, here's the thing about KGRG and I've I've been talking about it for a while now and will continue to uh but it's a transitional place and it always has been and it always will be um so we're all doing you know everybody before me and you know everybody currently there and everybody after us we're supposed to do our time and then move on and it's it it's a bummer at times like, you know, it was it was really sad when when Mickey and I had to radio break up. But, you know, she, you know, had other obligations and other stuff on her mind. And, you know, and and I totally understand. Um, and and before too long, my time came. And then, you know, within that, I'm, you know, seeing other folks move on. You know, it's like, uh, uh, my buddy Dave moved, uh, moved back to his homeland of Arizona. Uh, um, you know, and, and other folks, we all moved on and it's, you know, it's college. It, It, it's, it's what it's supposed to be. Um, but yeah, and you know, uh, to to kind of kind of wrap up, uh, put a button on the KGRG era a bit. Um, we so we get to you know I had talked about this uh, this awards banquet. Um, it happens every year in August, 
And shortly after I had left the show, you know, it, it did uh did uh we did episode one hundred and then we did a couple a uh, couple two or three more episodes after that, capped it off with uh an artist takeover episode with uh good friends of ours, a band called Flicker and Fade. Uh um they're uh, they're not a band anymore, but uh but it was it was a band and folks that we had grown really, really close with. And so it 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 was a really good way to cap it off because we focused on them. We didn't make it like I mean, I I didn't get on the mic and talk for two hours and eulogize myself very similar to how I am here today. Um, But, yeah, it was like, you know, we we got to like the very last break and then it was, oh, by the way, it's my last show. Um, Anyway, after that was the um, uh, the awards banquet. And I had shared with you the feeling I had when, um, uh, you know, I had gotten like that certificate from Charlie and that the Post had won specialty show of the year. Uh, The prior year, uh, the Buzz, uh, the Buzz morning show, uh, kind of the flagship uh, uh, morning show or flagship specialty show for uh, for the KGRG lineup that year, won specialty show of the year. And I was part of that as well. Stood up with the with the folks, got my plaque. But uh, in 2017, um, Tom announced he the Monday Project won Specialty Show of the Year, and um, for all three years I was at KGRG, I you know <laughs> in various capacities ended up being part of the show that would go on to win a Specialty Show of the Year, and it just. Uh, um, it, it, it's an immeasurable feeling, uh, but, but, and it, it's interesting, the contrast, because basically, um, year one, I'm an intern on the tail end of, you know, what would be the specialty show of the year. I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't ever say that I contributed to what made that specialty show of the year. I just happened to be there. Um, the buzz was similar in that I was a component of it, but not like, you know, I, I would be considered if we're looking at like the opening credits of, of the, of the, uh, buzz morning show sitcom, it would be, um, also starring, uh, Mike Seibert as old man, Mike, you know, I wouldn't be in the main cast. I would be, I would have like an, and, or an also, or something like that. But the, uh, the Monday project was my show it was the show that i invented developed and 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 then ultimately passed on so the feeling that i felt was different than when uh the buzz morning show won that was just straight up pride Th- this was pride but not for myself as much as it was for my co-hosts um elijah and desmond um i i i was proud of them and proud for them and happy for them. And yeah, of course I was very happy for myself too. And, and, you know, did delight in that accomplishment, but it was more important that they get that recognition than it was for me. If, if that makes sense. Um, but it was really one of those things that, you know, again, I had already left the show and I remember as folks were congratulating me, uh, you know, a couple of few people were saying like, well, Mike, that that's a hell of a way to close it out, you know, to, you know, 
end the show to, I mean, or to leave the show, not end the show, sorry, uh, but to, you know, progress further in my burgeoning radio career and to cap it off with winning specialty show of the year. Hell, hell, hell of a thing, hell of a thing. And so the legacy I, I left behind at KGRG is sometimes it's one I'm proud of other times, maybe not depending upon what, which way the wind is blowing and how, how I was feeling before I had more morning coffee. Uh, the, my legacy at KGRG uh, is a legacy of talk and it's a, and it's a legacy of, um, fun yet shitty radio. Um, in that I proved that a fun show, even though it doesn't hew to the exact conventions of what a pro polished sound, because I mean, we, we would make mistakes all the time. Um, and I mean, there were, there was always, there was always kind of like that rough around the edges nature. And rather than getting upset about it, like I had at the end of the Mike and Mickey era and like, um, I had seen, uh, when I was on the post rock show, um, I learned to embrace it and, and like it and enjoy it. And it's like, ah, well, it's fine. It's these mistakes. But my legacy is now that I've, I, I've kind of normalized that. So now there are more folks doing, uh, talk format, on on KGRG and uh again sometimes I I don't know how comfortable I am with that because mine was um uh full confidence in in what I was doing um I I'm remarkably insecure about uh you know what I do as a broadcaster but I remember being overtly confident in what I was doing at KGRG it's like no this isn't it's it's not objectively good but it's fun and because it's fun that's what resonates with uh, with the audience, and that's um, that's what brings me to today. You know, over a year after graduating from the broadcast journalism program at Green River College, I'm still doing my show, the same same style of show, but now as a podcast. And how that really happened was um, my uh, my SoundCloud subscription automatically renewed um a month before i did my last show um for the monday project and and when the end came the end came quickly because basically what happened was my boss came to me and said well hey could you start next week and i was like well yeah i guess i can um team meeting guys uh next week is my last show um it, it wasn't Again, it wasn't intended to be that uh, that flicker and fade artist takeover because we had scheduled that uh, months in advance. Um, so that's what that already was. In fact, I guess looking back now, I guess I should be grateful that I made it that long. Um, but even now, the 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 show continues to evolve. Um, when I when I started Mike Cybert Radio back up with like episode one hundred and three, one hundred and four, whatever it was. Um, you know, it was really emulating a radio show. I was, you know, I was playing bumper music and, and playing promos, uh, for other podcasts and really kind of trying to make it sound like 
a radio show because that was kind of the format I knew and was comfortable with and what I kind of liked. Uh, but eventually, I mean, now it's kind of settled into uh, the current unique format, which is still kind of uh, hard to define. But I, I got to give a shout out to Don and Dean uh, when when I was talking to them um, uh, on Podskewer. Uh they they put it very simply. It's like, well, you're a pop culture show. You talk about music. You talk about movies. You talk about pop culture. Yeah, you're you're just you're just a pop culture show, which really kind of crystallized it for me in a way that I hadn't thought of. But yeah, no, I I you know I feature long form interviews with bands and artists, um, spotlighting independent music. You know. Uh, you know, it's interesting that, you know, playing full length songs during a podcast is usually not looked favorably upon. But it's it's that aesthetic that I kind of bring with me from my time at KGRG. And like, you know, if uh, you know, like if I'm talking to, say, you know, Kyle Stevens from Kirby Crackle, I'm going to play one of his songs. If I'm talking to Chris and Sam from Waking Things, I'm going to play one of their songs, especially if I'm trying to, uh, you know, help them promote their uh, their their new music. Um, but, you know, I also do, you know, deep deep dives and rants. Um, you know, I, I, uh, had the occasion to talk to, to Tom recently. And I told him that I, I probably spend more time broadcasting with killing spree now that he and I are, you know, far removed from the program than we did when we were both there doing shows because it was just kind of ships passing. And, you know, we, we didn't really, um, do that much together on KGRG, but yeah, I mean, I mean, you've heard, you've heard like our, our, uh, rant filled, uh, you know, like, uh, episode on star Wars, the last Jedi and, you know, some of the other stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, deep dives and rants. Um, and, but then I also share more personal stuff like this. Um, like, you know, me just cracking a microphone and just, you know, just, uh, just talking, um, just hanging out. Um, or even like some of my, you know, uh, community awareness, I, I hesitate to use the word activism, but, but, you know, kind of community awareness stuff, like my shows about human trafficking and, uh, the, the partnerships I had with federal way coalition against trafficking, which, Incidentally, I I should probably get back into that um, at some point because it, it it's it's material that still resonates with me. But but it's all presented through my unique kaleidoscope. I you know like I like I shared during that that interview, I'm the only me, and it's taken me quite a long time to really embrace that because really I mean who else is going to talk your ear off for a couple hours telling you a bunch of random stories that oftentimes just go nowhere and borders on self-indulgent and um but it's it's all just Mike Cybert radio and if if you've made it this far uh thanks for hanging out with me where I just kind of kind of told my story uh this not exactly what i was going for but um this was also um really really kind of kind of therapeutic um in a way 
I thought I was just going to do a retrospective uh, a la episode 100 where I just kind of talk about the history of, uh, you know, Mike After Dark as it translates into Mike and Mickey After Dark and and the Monday Project and ultimately to uh, Mike Cyber Radio. Um, but uh, but uh, but still, uh, thanks for hanging uh, now. Uh, before I get out of here, um, I did ask the internet for questions um, that uh, that I can answer here, and I've uh, I've got some ones I want to cover. Um, so, uh, uh, starting us off, uh, Bjorn Anders uh, asks, "Why is Boba Fett so goddamn lame?" Hashtag congrats. Uh, first of all, thank you, Bjorn. I, I really appreciate the uh, congratulations. This uh this this goes all the way back. And actually, this is the first time I've heard from Bjorn in, oh, gosh, I mean, well over a year, possibly more if I think about it for too long. Um, this became a running joke with, you know, like the the folks I would tweet with uh, during that that kind of KSW times. And it spilled over into Hot Kyle's uh, Pants Party podcast where, you know, like like uh, the show became I mean, I mean, we we the listeners basically took over the show through our voicemails and it's uh, it, it was it was a really fun time. But um, I, I don't even remember what the origin of it was, but I think like. I want to say maybe there was a question about, like, what's your favorite Star Wars character? And I would put out, well, you know, Boba Fett. And, you know, longtime listeners know that I'm I'm a fan of the Fett. Um, my friend Bjorn, on the other hand, is uh, is not. And he liked to flip me so much shit, um, you know, talking about why Boba Fett is a loser and he got taken out by a blind guy with a stick and, you know, his biggest accomplishment was looking cool but still falling into a hole in the sand and and all of that. But it was, uh, and, and I remember there was a few times where I would kind of get defensive and a little sensitive and things like that, but um, it, it was... I, I'm really glad he reached out because uh, it, it really did kind of remind me of how influential that era and time was on um, on me as what would eventually become a broadcaster. At that point, I was just a fan uh, masquerading as a as a broadcaster. But um, but again, I, I, I always appreciated that. Um, uh, next up, the uh, the Man Brain podcast uh, uh, also congratulated me as well. Thank you. Um, but he uh, asked, when are we going to start a Mortal Kombat fight to the death with podcasters? I have more arms than Goro. And I shared with him that actually here at my work, um, uh, one of our uh, IT guys, uh, he has... An arcade emulator machine, you know, one of those one of those stand up arc. It's it's a beautiful, robust cabinet, but this emulator has, I mean, hundreds of games on it, and of these hundreds of games, about the only thing I actually play, Mortal Kombat One. <laughs> So uh, I I don't know if uh, uh, Manbrain knew that or not, but uh, but yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm always down for some Mortal Kombat, especially Mortal Kombat One, because it's it's relatively easy and I'm kind of good at it. Um, um, so yeah, so yeah, maybe maybe we'll get a, a Mortal Kombat tournament at uh, at some point. Um, 
my good friends, uh, the uh, the Autopod Decepticast, uh, they uh, they tweeted at me. Uh, congrats, and again, uh, thank you. Uh, and I uh, and I realized that I haven't really talked about kind of some of the friends that I've made during the uh, the Monday Project. Oh, Jesus, uh, through the uh, uh, Mike Seibert Radio era, like uh, you know, like I've gotten to know new bands, like uh, you know, Limber Lost and Strangely All Right, and I've I've cemented uh, relationships with uh, with uh, my uh, friends in Waking Things. I've gotten to know uh, Lucia Fasano really well, and and you know, had had some great conversations with Kyle Stevens. From Kirby Crackle and you know on and on and on, but um, one of one of the the uh, um, one of the coolest friendships that's developed out of out of this era is with um, Aaron and Ryan and and Caleb from the Autopod Decepticast, um, and again th- this this shows how niche the internet could be. They do a podcast about Transformers the movie and you know I've talked about them a lot and I'm not going to dwell here but um the 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 friendship and interaction that I've developed with these guys is is something that's uh, that's become really special to me and you know I I shared with uh with my wife I I told Lucky the other day I was like you know I I don't have a whole lot of friends my own age so it's it, it it's it's kind of nice to listen to these guys talk about this movie that I have uh, uh, so much love for, uh, but also with all of their references to things that, that I understand and can relate to. Um, uh, and, and I'm really hoping and looking forward to doing some uh, uh, collaboration with them soon. Uh, uh, Going to keep things kind of close to the vest uh, for now, but they're... Um, there may be a traveling opportunity where uh, uh, the Mike Cyber Radio Show might be hitting the road uh, for uh, uh, perhaps some crossover uh, with the Autopod Decepticast, but I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Anyway, they uh, um, uh, they sent me a tweet and said, congratulations. Um, here is our question. How is your broadcasting persona so damn likable? Some of us could take some cues from that. Well, uh, again, thank you guys. Um, really, you know, I, I wanted to kind of use this to kind of talk about uh, persona and personality and all of that other stuff. Um, one, one, one weird thing up front is that I, um, a lot of broadcasters use a stage name, you know, uh, and, and even, uh, folks that I got to know at KGRG, uh, like like for example, uh, Killing Spree. I talk about him a lot. Um, so thorough is his Killing Spree persona that when people refer to him as his actual name, um, I I look at them kind of kind of with furrowed eyebrows. I'm like, that's not his name. That that's not who he is, um, and uh, um, and and I never was really clever enough to fashion that type of persona or separate identity for myself because I've always just been kind of kind of me. Um, the closest I came to that was kind of kind of two different things during the KGRG era. Um, early on, 
uh, when I was interning on the post-rock show, uh, because of my age and all of that, uh, uh, one of the hosts referred to me as Uncle Mike. And kind of wanting some kind of elevated status, I thought it was kind of cool. I was like, you know what, Uncle Mike, I kind of I like the, uh, the, uh, um, I kind of like the sound of that. I grew very quickly to not like the sound of that, and uh, and it and it kind of took me a while f- uh, to shake it, but because like there were uh, a couple couple co-hosts that you know would continue to refer to me as Uncle Mike, and um, uh, it was really when I was doing a show with Mickey, she's like, "Don't add Uncle to it; it makes it weird." And so and and that's when I dropped it. I was like, I am Uncle Mike no more. And curiously, and I don't want to throw anybody specifically under the bus, but there's there's somebody else in Seattle radio that that uses uncle in in their name. And I keep wanting to send them a tweet and say, don't add uncle to it. It makes it weird. And and this guy's actually older than I am. And it's just like anytime I hear this guy referred to as uncle, I'm like, just kind of get that 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 shoulder uh, shrug. But the the other persona identity type of thing that I constructed uh, was, you know, kind of like my old man Mike persona that that would do on the Buzz Morning Show. And again, it was a segment called Get Off My Lawn and like um it it would just be me kind of you know bitching about uh, you know the slang that the college kids would use which you know cool guy luke will tell you that i use the young people's slang even more so than than the young people they themselves do um i uh you know like it's like like the uh um the young people do but still that that didn't entirely stick because I uh while I do get upset and curmudgeon about things I mean you know see also uh my episode about Star Wars The Last Jedi and you know some of the other uh movie deep dive episodes that I've done with uh with Killing Spree I do I do have a a profoundly wicked uh curmudgeon streak but it's not consistent. It's not the entirety of my persona and my personality. There's, you know, there's, there's more to me than that. And really my, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm mostly positive. I like to think that I'm a positive person, even though I'm, I'm very cynical and my sense of humor is definitely snarky, um, and sarcastic, but, you know, more than not, I, you know, or at least in terms of broadcasting, because, you know, I, I, I want to give folks a platform to promote their stuff. Right. You know, it's like, oh, you're an independent artist and uh, you want to, um, you know, I, I want to help you promote your stuff like, you know, go out and buy this book, go out and buy this album, go out and show up to the show, do the thing. Um and I think that style of presentation is leans more towards the positive than negative. You know, I again, I can have snark and sarcasm, 
but it it's hard to have a persona that's you know old man might get off my lawn when I'm saying, hey, you know, please welcome my next guests and, you know, and ask them a bunch of questions about their art and to get to know them. It's, you know, it's a dichotomy that doesn't quite work. So so the old man Mike persona doesn't quite stick um, to your guys's question specifically. Uh, how is my persona so damn likable? Um, I I genuinely enjoy talking to people and getting to know them. And I would like to think that that authenticity and that um, genuine interest comes across in what I'm talking about. So if you're a guest on my show, I want you to feel welcomed and I want you to feel like you have the opportunity to talk about the thing that you're a guest on my show to um, to talk about. And, well, I uh, I uh, I I like to be liked. And so I, I don't know if that necessarily comes across in my persona in the way that I talk or whatever. But it's yeah, there, there's a lot of that. It's like I want you to like me. So I'm going to try to be likable. Um, but yeah, no, I just I, I, I think honestly, that's that's it. Just being um, uh, genuine and authentic. Uh, some people seem to like me for some reason. Um, um, and as far as the uh, second part, you know, some of us could take cues from that. I would say that all three members of the Autopod Decepticast are eminently likable and uh, very entertaining to listen to. Um, okay, uh, next question. This uh, this comes from the Podskewer podcast. I've I've mentioned them several times, and again, my uh, interview with uh, Don and Dean. They interviewed me during episode ten of Podskewer. You can uh, go back and check that out. That was uh, that was a whole lot of fun, and so. You almost have them to blame for the length and depth and breadth of uh, of this particular episode, um, but they uh, they sent me a question and it's and it's a really good one. They uh, they asked biggest inspiration for your show style and f- stylistically, it's I I still call back to those KISW podcasts that were that were kind of spin-offs of uh of uh traditional radio shows that that was really kind of my first introduction to kind of like a formal podcast type style because the the Kevin Smith stuff while I really liked it was in kind of like a looser format but the uh with as tight as the the Seattle radio ones were they were tight they had intros they had outros and um so yeah it 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 really is uh bj shea's geek nation and uh to to an extent later uh hot kyle's uh the pants party and um 
And then later on, further, you know, like I would pick up some other stylistic uh, bits from uh, other shows that that I would, um, you know, get on with, like, you know, uh, the Mr. B.S. show, the Robin Slim show, uh, So I Married a Movie Geek, uh, We Hate Movies, um, even, you know, a little bit uh, from the Epic Film Guys, um, uh, The Countdown, uh, certainly. Um, a lot of those things have kind of gone into the the, the kind of specific sauce um, of the way that I do my show and the cadence of it. And and yeah, and I've even, uh, you know, uh, going back to like the Tom Lyka show, the, you know, the original B.J. Shea show, um, you know, and you, you hear it in little bits and parts, you know, like, you know, I start off the show. I'm like, welcome, you know, that that kind of like, you know, kind of bombastic, uh, you know, uh, peak in the top of my levels type of, you know, um, uh, type of opening. Um, and even like certain phrasing like, uh, you know, like, but first coming up next uh you know still to come and you know just all these weird radio phrases that that I've picked up from all of these uh different things including like you know um until next time you know that that was like a uh geek nation thing you know Vicky B would be like until next time stay nerdy and that cadence stuck with me you know and and that would go on to become until next time make good choices so yeah it's uh um Biggest inspiration for my show style, I would say, is uh, uh, BJ Shea, BJ Shea's Geek Nation, uh, KSW, Hot Kyle's Pants Party, and and all of those other great podcasts that I discovered later on that, that have kind of gone into the... You know, I, I call my show a podcast radio show, and I say that not because I'm completely out of touch, which I totally am. Uh, but I say that um, because I'm doing something that's a little different than a traditional podcast. You know, I, I again, I'm playing independent music. I'm doing long form interviews. I, you know, all of these things that I've already mentioned. Uh, but I, I like to think of it as a podcast radio show. That's why I call it that. Um, but no, a uh, uh, great question, guys. Uh, uh, thanks for asking. Um, uh, another huge uh, friends of the show, uh, the Earth Nine One Nine podcast, and uh, and and I before before I get to their question, I also want to give a shout out to Ian, the uh, co-host of that show. I, I mentioned him uh, um, in the previous episode as well, but it, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I I don't I don't want to get too you know self indulgent or whatever, but this kind of represents kind of like a weird closing of the loop for me in that you know I connected with Ian through Mike Seibert Radio, and now in the fall he's going to be taking Journalism One Ten and getting involved with KGRG. So it's like yeah, it's like I I. You know, I'm getting a little rummy because I've been talking for a while, but I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what analogy or metaphor would most um, fit that, but I just, I just, I, I just find that very cool. And um, if if you want more information, go to kgrg.com and click on uh, classes. I, I can't help it. Uh, but anyway, no, the uh, the Earth Nine One Nine podcast asks. 
most memorable moment you've had personally on your show. And as a second part to that moment that surprised you either through an interview or by yourself. Um, I, I've had so many memorable moments and almost all of them I I've talked about, you know, it's like, uh, you know, that, that first show I did with Mickey where we're playing, um, uh, uh, songs from a band called butts <laughs> and it's still what, one of, uh, my, my favorite shows, um, episode 100 is huge for me. The, uh, my last episode, uh, you know, with the, uh, uh, flicker and fade artist takeover, um, uh, this wasn't my show, but the uh, the the first time Waking Things came up to perform on the Buzz Morning Show. Um, you know, a lot of these that that will um, that that will that will stick with me in a lot of ways. I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll never forget. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, too many to name, but I guess if I if I were to pin it down to one thing. Um, I would say episode 100, not because of any one particular thing, because really it was just kind of like a a clip show uh, retrospective, but it was more for the milestone and what it represented, not just for myself, but for everybody that was there. Um so yeah, that that's that's what I'll go with for a most uh, memorable moment. Now, um, a, a time that I was surprised, and and th- this this is dumb. Uh, it's not nearly as thoughtful as uh, or thoughtful or thought through as well as uh, uh, some of the other things I've talked about. I'm running out of gas, and I apologize. But uh, but something that that surprised me was when Killing Spree and I were talking about uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Now, both of us had gone into our deep dive review rant show, both kind of liking the movie. But as we talked about it, you could feel ourselves turn you it's like we turned our backs on it. it's like wait a minute i remember saying this out loud i was like wait a minute this is a terrible movie why did i think i had fun at it so that was a that that was one thing that that kind of um one thing that kind of surprised me um another thing that surprised me was that um that killing spree and i had so very much to say about solo a star wars story um we we had talked for almost three hours about Star Wars The Last Jedi back at Christmas time. And we found a way to top that when we talked about solo. We we talked for almost four hours. Now, granted, at the, the beginning of it, we were we were uh, uh, talking about Rocky, I think. Now, maybe I'm getting my episodes mixed up. But regardless. Yeah. No. Oh. I am getting them mixed up because that was our uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom uh, type of thing. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I, I was I was surprised that we had four hours unbroken. We we didn't stop for bathroom breaks or anything like that, and we just talked for four hours about Star Wars and Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, outside of that. I I I don't know if anything has particularly taken me by surprise. Well, actually, you know what? 
I think about this a little more and I ramble and I talk a little bit, um, you know, uh, and it was because it came from Earth 919. Uh, uh, Ian had shared with me during my interview with him um, that he uh, has only recently gotten into comic books uh, because he uh, he could speak very uh, passionately and um, uh, uh, from an informed standpoint about stuff that, you know, I've known for years and years and years. And yeah, he's, he was, he was right on it as if he had read all of this material. And, and it did genuinely surprise me that he, uh, um, had just gotten into it. So I, I, if I come up with more surprises, I I feel like I want to explore this later, but, um, but I, um, do got to move on because, uh, my, my time is running short. And uh, and my last question comes from the St. Paul Filmcast. Uh, they asked, um, any movies you're looking forward to uh, to see coming soon? And it was interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, we, uh, uh, Lucky and I, recently went to go see uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, again, it's, it's the movie of the summer. Um, really, really like that. And I, I got to thinking, it's like, what, um, what else is possibly coming that, that I'm looking forward to? So, um, I, I, I went to the internet very briefly and then I, I realized that there's, uh, there's tons of stuff and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to necessarily go down the uh the rabbit hole of just looking at the wikipedia and rattling off movie titles uh but i'm looking forward to seeing if the predator is as terrible as uh as as it looks like it might be um but later in september and this is a, this is a total cop out and i you know maybe maybe in a in a future episode i'll i'll um explore more time about some of the, some of the movies that I'm looking forward to for the for the rest of the year but really more than anything I am looking forward to that one night only uh, fathom event screening of 1986's Transformers the movie um I uh uh already bought tickets uh Lucky and I already have tickets and and the theater that we're going to is already half sold out and the tickets just went on sale so um so really really excited about that and I uh you know I haven't talked about Transformers the movie too terribly much during this uh this episode that's interesting <laughs> um but no uh um one of the things I mean so okay I full disclosure um this uh this year this uh this September is my 40th birthday and i remember 2 3 4 years ago maybe longer i don't remember uh but i i concocted this fantasy where like if somebody was going to ask me what i wanted to do on my 40th birthday my answer would have been um i want to see um a print of transformers the movie in a movie theater. And 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 I just think that it's really cool that you know through you know no outside influence or just again serendipity or whatever you want to call it um you know it's going to be after my birthday but that's okay because it's damn close enough. 
I just I I just think that that's that's the coolest thing ever, and I uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I I'm sure I'm going to talk about that at length um, in uh, in upcoming episodes. But uh, but yeah um, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing a movie that's 32 years old um, just after my 40th birthday. Yeah, uh, Transformers the movie is what I what I'm looking forward to seeing, and and apparently they're going to show. Um, uh, extra footage from uh, Bumblebee, which, you know, that first trailer looked really good and I was very encouraged. Uh, but then, like, now they're pulling this uh, that's not Starscream, that's Blitzwing type of stuff. And I, I haven't talked about any of this in any other episode uh, recently. I'm just now remembering. But um, that kind of chips away at a little bit of the enthusiasm. But I, I think I may have to break... Uh, my my promise and my embargo to not see any more live action Transformers movies. I think I think this Bumblebee is going to be kind of okay uh, because I think they they kind of have the uh, um, I think they kind of have the the tone right and 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 so again um, uh, apologies to the Saint Paul film cast again. I appreciate all the retweets and support that you give me on Twitter. Um, I'm definitely going to explore this in uh, another episode uh, coming soon. And again, uh, thanks again to everybody that uh, that wrote in and sent me those questions. Uh, um, some really good ones there, and you know maybe we'll make this a regular thing, um, or at the very least, uh, do it again sometime. And that will do it for this week's show. Uh, thank you again for hanging around so long. Uh, thank you again for listening and for hanging out with me for uh, for these last three years. Um, it's been a blast. And it's because of you listening that I keep doing it. So keep listening and I'll keep doing it. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, if you would like to listen to my past episodes, including... All of my old college radio shows from when I was on KGRG, everything is there from episode one of Mike After Dark uh, on August 10th of 2015, all the way through the Monday Project area and now to new episodes of Mike Cybert Radio. You can subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, the Stitcher Radio app, and on Apple Podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. And if you do leave a review on iTunes, five stars, please, let me know, and I will give you a shout-out, and I will read your review on the air. And if you're an independent artist and you would like to be a guest on the show, slide into those DMs. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MikeSybertRadio, and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. My name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio, and until next time, make good choices. 